begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is I, Star Raptor, and aka Chris, and uh, that's a really weird intro. So we're gonna <laughs> roll with it because that's what we do here on Outer Rim Transmissions. This is episode number fifty-eight. I'm joined by Milton and joined by Ben. We got the full crew tonight. We're playing a little bit of catch up because, as y'all know, there was a lot of stuff that happened on May the 4th. And, well, we thought it'd be a great idea. We had a great time of doing a New Hope commentary. But since we did that two plus hour stream commentary, we have a lot to catch up on from a brand new Star Wars trailer to break down to two different Star Wars documentaries to talk about. Plus, plenty of other news sprinkled in the mix. So we got a full show for you guys to enjoy tonight and this week if you're listening later after the fact. So we're going to just jump right in, and I'll throw it over to Ben. How's it going, man? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your week. Did you have any Star Wars in your week at all? Yeah, I mean, it was a good week overall. I, um, you know, I, did, I didn't have any too many like crazy star wars things really just just talking with people about it you know here and there um you know just getting excited about kenobi really that's the most that's like the big thing honestly when it comes to uh to me so it was more more along those lines and then of course oh actually yeah never mind i i do have a, a weekend a a thing for star wars this week so with the uh the uh clone wars being more canon i mean you'll you'll get into that when you talk about the the new book i actually watched the first season or whatever chapter first, you know, the uh, first installment of the original Tartakovsky Clone Wars. And it's just so good. Like it literally, um, it literally, you know, I've talked about it basically since my debut episode on this podcast, however long it was ago, you know, that's one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars content. And just the fact that it's more like officially in canon, um, kind of like that's, that's really awesome. And you know, the fact they're acknowledging it, like, that's that's great. And, uh, you know, just really, uh, that really made my day when I saw that. I was like, oh, man, that's that's awesome. So, yeah, so I watched the uh, the first installment of that Clone Wars series. And, uh, yeah, that was my kind of my week in Star Wars. Yeah, so you're talking about the Star Wars Brotherhood book, which is a book I'm going to kind of give my first impressions because, spoiler alert, I finished the book like two hours ago. Yeah, and it came out this week. That's how good it was. If it gives you any intention, I didn't slowly read through this thing. I tore through this book very quickly. Um, so we'll definitely have a lot more to talk about there. But yes, and I also did go back and watch at least a, a one one or two segments of, of Clone Wars and The Clone Wars as well. Because as soon as I finished reading that book, I was like, I have to watch at least one episode of The Clone Wars today. And that's why I was a little late to getting this recorded starting, honestly. Because I was like, I got to fit it in. I got the fix. What about you, Milton? How's it going? It's good, man. It's good to be back on the podcast and discussing the Star Wars. Um, my week in Star Wars, honestly, really wasn't much going on for me. Uh, actually, I do know I just put up. I'm actually in the process of putting, putting together my office at my job. So this screen you guys see, see behind me, I actually have this framed in my office. I have to just find a good place to put it. But everyone seems to like it. So that, that's, I guess, that's my week in Star Wars, is getting my office together, making it very much me, a.k.a. Star Wars and just pop culture. There you go. It's, it's always nice to go and rearrange a lot of things. I've been needing to do that for a very long time. And because uh, I just have so much, like, I, like, I have a storage place which is basically underneath the bed i have and it's just like i took out these figures and i'm like yeah because i had to get something from out underneath the bed 
Um, so in the meantime, I had to pull out all these other figures that I've stashed under there. And man, oh man, it's like every time I go under, it's like a treasure trove. It's like, oh, I didn't realize I have this Black Series figure. It's like, they're all still in the boxes. I have an idea to like put up a new display, but you know, I haven't gotten around to it yet. But maybe one day, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah, you showed us that that that, that picture of, of actually the artwork itself last week. And mm -hmm. that's, that's killer, man. Yeah, it's dope. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so for everybody that is watching live, a little bit of housekeeping. You can also download the podcast every single Monday. I put that up for anybody to enjoy, whether it be Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music, and Amazon, and anything else out there. You can download us. Simply look for Outer Room Transmission. If you are listening after the fact, we appreciate you guys listening. Also, give us a rating on Spotify. We do have those enabled. And go ahead, tell your friends. If they're looking for a Star Wars podcast, we hope that you're were your recommendation there so go ahead and do that we'd be thankful for that we also have t-shirts at teespring.com again just search outer uh, outer rim transmission but that being said i'm gonna kind of roll my weekend star wars into my talk about star wars brotherhood because that's the only thing that's imminent in my mind right now after having finished that literally hours ago so this is that book oh, i don't actually have it prepared to show you guys on camera but you can go ahead and Google the image. But yes, this is that book that is giving us, ooh, that business on Keda Nemoida. You see them in Revenge of the Sith making a reference to that. This is that story. Um, and this is that story that is going to be one of the most memorable Star Wars canon stories. Because I say, um, I haven't put the review up, obviously, yet. You can look forward to that in a couple of days. But um, it's a glowing review for me. And all of my peers out there that have been reviewing the books, I, I see that book getting nothing but 9s and 10s out of 10s. It's... Literally a book that I think every Star Wars fan that is definitely a prequel lover, lover will need to read or at least listen to an audiobook format because it gives so much depth to that relationship, that bond between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And exactly like the title says, Brotherhood, this book gives us the time literally from almost the moment that Anakin becomes a Jedi Knight uh, or, or Padawan to Jedi Knight. So we see that transition. We see how he changes his ways of doing things. Because what happens is when they go into the Clone Wars, all of a sudden the Jedi get kind of promoted. Most of these Padawans, they just get an expedited course to be promoted to a Jedi Knight. So now the whole predicament is, okay, Obi-Wan and Anakin have to get used to being equals. It's not that formality of Obi-Wan is the master. Anakin is like almost like his lesser. He's the paddle and he's the learner. They are learning to fight together. They're learning to think together. They know their strengths, their weaknesses, but they're becoming essentially brothers. You see really great stuff in here, really minute stuff that is very detail-oriented, such as something I never really thought about is how Anakin is getting used to his mechanical hand. Something as minute as that is giving so much love and attention in this book from grains of sand getting into the mechanics to him trying to use the force and trying to wield a lightsaber knowing that it's not a part of him. I know that the the writer Mike Chen went through a lot of research with actual like amputees to like get this information to be accurate and feel like it's actually lived in. And that kind of experience of going out there getting the real life reports and all that really adds so much to some minor details that I never really thought about. We have a new youngling character 
that really sheds a lot more on Anakin and also brings up very interesting topics such as, hey, these kids are taken as force like conduits essentially. Do they ever get a choice to just like leave the order or do they feel like they actually belong? So this book has so much depth in it and it's emotional, man. Like there's a lot of callbacks to Smee Skywalker. There's a lot of callbacks, of course, to Qui-Gon Jinn, who is basically the father figure of both Anakin and Obi-Wan. So they reminisce about that. And there's a lot of action towards the end. And you also have the introduction of Asajj Ventress, the meaning of Asajj Ventress and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Plus, you get to see Obi-Wan Kenobi as the negotiator, right? I think it's Granville Grievous that calls him that in Revenge of the Sith. You get to literally see Obi-Wan Kenobi being that orator that he is legendary for. They go to Cato Nemordia. There's a bombing that happens, and it's this very precipitous kind of you know, conversation going on because Cato Nemordia is actually a neutral um, entity. They are, you know, there's the, there's the Trade Federation, which is, you know, also kind of neutral at this point, but Newt Gunray leads the Splinter Group that is part of the Separatist Alliance. So the Republic is trying to kind of sway the Nemodian people to their cause to try to destabilize the Trade Federation, all this stuff. So it's very much politics heavy. So if you're looking for a politic Star <laughs> Wars book that has, actually has a lot of meaning, this is definitely the book for you. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll go into more detail on my review, but this is kind of my initial impressions after having read the book like literally two hours ago. I have about eight pages worth of notes on this book because I just kept finding the coolest details, whether it's Mace Windu having a shatter point, which is literally a thing from a Legends novel. So that's made canon to Mace Windu find, uh, fighting legions of super battle droids on Dantooine, a.k.a. canonizing one of those Star Wars Clone Wars tales to even the other thing I was telling Ben about and you guys in, in the chat about Grievous fighting Kaiden Money. And all those th sightings of Grievous and how he was new in, in the whole Separatist line. So there's a lot of great details. There's Dex Dexter's gestures in there plenty of times. So if you're a fan of that guy and the good old diner chorus, you're going to love this. And I feel like he just, I feel like Mike Chen is one of the best authors for capturing one of our existing Star Wars characters in current canon and flushing them out in ways we didn't think could happen because I'll be honest, I've been kind of getting tired of kind of the novels that fill in the gaps of star Wars. I've really been happy with the high Republic because they've not been beholden to things we already know, but I feel like this book is the outlier because it gives us so much juicy details of that transition between Obi-Wan and Anakin. So yeah, can't recommend this book enough. You don't have to rate for my review because I will tell you to go buy this book. If you like Anakin, Obi-Wan, and especially if you're a fan of the Clone Wars and especially for Kenobi coming out in two weeks, I feel like this is a great thing to kind of get into that mindset of, okay, let's see Anakin and Obi-Wan here and then let's see how they react. You know, those 10 years later, it's going to be when this show comes out. So I'll stop talking because I know I could ramble on and on about this book for a long time. And I don't want to make you guys just sit there and listen to me all night. But yeah, I can't recommend the book enough. I know, Ben, you might have some thoughts about this with the Clone Wars and all those things I was telling you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's great that they're that uh, Star Wars as a company, you know, or I guess you would say the story group, you know, they're starting to like acknowledge more and more things. Um, you know, as they've shown, really, more and more things that are outside of the current canon. 
like bringing them in slowly, canonizing things like you said with Mace on Dantooine and like all of these type of things, you know, they're nice because it just shows that, oh, there actually is value in some of that old stuff. Like there actually is source material to work off of. So it's cool seeing the, uh, you know, the, the people there in the creative groups, like actually acknowledging and including that stuff in, in the new content they're making. So, uh, you know, it just gives me hope for more, more future stories and different things, you know, down the pipeline, whether it be in the books, uh, video games, the shows, the movies, even, etc. Like, I think there's plenty of opportunity for, uh, for them to include non-canon or legends things in the current canon. Yeah. And I, I could, I could tell you a lot of people that I know that are big legends fans have told me that this book feels like a legends book. So if y'all are out there and you're like, yeah, canon feels like so different. I mean, even look at the cover of this book. And again, I wish I had it in my hand. It even looks like kind of a more of like a like a legends cover, if you ask me, because it's like more painted and stuff. But yeah, I mean, everything, even even the people, even the people with like the Nemoidians and, and how they break down the culture of the Nemoidians and about how like the people of the Republic kind of like look down on the Nemoidians and about how like certain characters are like just so against the Republic. And it's just, man, this it's a really good book. I can't say enough good things about it. So it's I definitely it's probably really. Yeah. I, I, I think it's probably top five can of books. And there's been like well over thirty books at this point in the last like six, seven years, so it's good to know. Yeah. And uh well that wasn't the only thing we had released this week either, because that was released on Tuesday. We also had a comic book. We had the Halcyon Legacy Three, which also surprisingly had Obi-Wan kid or not actually had Obi-Wan had Anakin and the size ventures and Padme and they're flying around. Everybody's going to love this on the galactic star cruiser. And <laughs> well, they're trying to get a size ventures because she's trying to exfiltrate like a defecting Republic Senator that wants to go to the CIS. And well, size ventures actually kills the guy because she finds out that the information he has, she doesn't really need anyway, basically kills him. And moves on, and that's really the story. It's like a the, the Halcyon Legacy comics are basically a, a there's a framing story set in the Last Jedi era, and then they keep doing like these callbacks to like these uh, short stories throughout the time that the Galactic Star Cruiser has been in different areas, whether it be High Republic or prequels, or there's going to be one with Lando and Hondo coming up. So it's fun for that, but eh, you know I don't think there's going to be much substantial content uh, coming out of that but that's gonna do it for um everything that came out this week i believe we have next week we have a couple comics but uh other than that if you guys are ready i'm gonna start us off on our obi-wan kenobi official trailer breakdown i have i have a couple images that i pulled i'm not repeating some of those we already talked about obviously because right. one of the things about this trailer is i did notice there is a lot of repeat images that we've seen before which is why i wasn't super hyped by this trailer but, again, we already talked about this many times. The the TV marketing is going to be way different than the feature film marketing because they got to get people in those seats opening night. They got to show some really provocative, crazy images. Well, they're not going to do that with the streaming stuff. So, if you guys are ready, we're going to break down the first shot. Let's yep. do it. All right, let's do it. So, we get another shot of Tatooine here. 
I brought it up on the stream if you guys want to check it out too. We have not one, not two, but three Inquisitors. So last we seen the shot in the first teaser trailer, I believe we only had seen Reva was on, and then she's the third Inquisitor there on the left. We had only seen that she was on Tatooine. So I thought that this was an, an important image to pull just simply because, hey, there's there's three of them, including the Grand Inquisitor. So it's not just like, oh, we're going to check out this threat. It's like, okay, we know that somebody big and bad is over here. So we're going to pull in the entire, you know, the A-listers here. Look, I, I'm still, I, I'm looking forward to this show. I really am. Grand Inquisitor just, just ain't doing it for me. Like, just the look of him. Not saying it's going to be a bad character, but he looks like Pinhead from Hellraiser. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't get over that. And I'm, I apologize for that sound in the background. I guess my neighbor's car was going off. But, uh, yeah, like, I'm just not feeling his look. However, these three do look badass. And I do feel like the Inquisitors are going to wreck shop, especially in the early episodes of Kenobi. So I, I am pleased with the overall aesthetics of this scene. You know, I'm still not convinced about the Grand Inquisitor's look. However, I like that they're going to be menacing. I, I can I can feel that. Yeah, I like what you had to say about Milton's wrecking shop. I would like to see a reality where we see them killing a Jedi. And I know mm -hmm. we're 10 years into the whole run of this whole Inquisitorious program led by Darth Vader. But I would still like to see, like, okay, what are these guys about? Because I here's the thing. With a lot of TV shows, a lot of movies, you show people in really cool, badass-looking outfits, and they got cool scowls and, and stuff on their face, like they're evil and all this. But we never really see why they have that reputation. And I think there's a good potential here to show why people would fear the Inquisitors. Like, when they arrive in town, you know that... They're going to get the job done, and they're going to do it in a way that's going to terrify people. Oh, you're not wrong, dude. Like, and that's the thing, though. We, I think, I think the show is going to show their their fierceness. They're going to show that they're not someone to f with. You know, like, um, hopefully we get that because some, you know, how some shows can be. Well, they'll 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 show the they'll they'll make them pretend like they're tough, but then like they'll depower them, mm -hmm. which makes no sense. I mean, we kind of got that with Boba Fett. We they he was really depowered. Um, I'm hoping they don't do that because I feel like the way they marketed it and they promoted the show, especially Reva, they make her seem like she is menacing and she doesn't care about anything and anyone else except for pleasing Vader and the Grand Inquisitor. So, I really think that, um, I really think that, you know, they're they're gonna do them right. Again, like I said, it's just I have issues with the look of it. But honestly, that's not going to affect, you know, the show for me. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to love this character. I know I will because I like them in Clone Wars or excuse me, in Rebels. So I know that this character is going to do, do me. They're going to do him justice. I, I trust Deborah Chow. I trust what the writers for the show is going to do. Yeah, over to you, Ben. What do you think about this image? Anything that stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, like for me, I'm a person, you know, um, as I said from the beginning, I haven't minded the Inquisitor's looks, um, but I, I can't I can't defend Milton's uh, pinhead look comment. Like that's I can't defend that because that's accurate. <laughs> um, but uh, my thing with this Inquisitor look, though, in this shot specifically, I think it looks better than the first trailer shot, at least. Um, and that's why I think the first trailer, you know, just had to do with the angle or something. Right. But uh, but yeah, the Inquisitors, like you both said, when it comes to them. 
we just want to see them in action doing something um and i don't know about you guys but it feels like the inquis like the the grand inquisitor specifically it only seems like he's only been in a couple locations and to me it feels like like i i mean especially by the way they've been marketing as well as the press tours even um it really seems like uh reva is going to be probably the main inquisitor i would say um yeah just because you know just the way it's been marketed the way it's been cut i mean you know later you know in the trailer we'll talk about her later when she's yelling like you can't run from him or whatever like mm -hmm. it seems like she's the one more out and about maybe maybe this is her like i don't know i like i was talking to one of my buddies about it like this could potentially maybe be you know of course the inquisitors work as a team but maybe this is like her first like big type thing she's been on or like maybe you know, hunting this big of a Jedi, I guess I would say. Yeah. So, so or you something. look at. Uh, I want to address this in, in in the chat real quick. We got Sim Sims. Welcome to the chat, man. I don't recognize you from here before. So, everybody that's watching, uh, you can always send us some chats live on on the channel here. Uh, I think it's time they say. I think it's time to stop hating on the looks of a character before the show even starts. <laughs> I have to agree, and I mm -hmm. fall into that trap too. It's just like right. the first time I seen. I was crying just as much as everybody <laughs> no, else. Like, yeah. Here's the thing, though. And what, what was the guy's name? Simpson. No, no, oh, the, the the writer. Oh, uh, Chris Rogan. Yeah, Simpsons. Simpsons. Yeah, like he's not wrong, you know. And and I get that because I I get mad at people that do that too. I think, I think because this is a character we've seen on animation, and. I think we were all hoping that we would get that particular look. That's where we're at. Because I'm still, again, we haven't seen him in the actual episode. So I tell, and I'm gonna tell you right now. I guarantee you, knowing how I am, and I'm very rational, I'm going to give that character an opportunity. And hell, the look might not even bother me once I see him in action. When I see him interacting with Vader or with his other Inquisitors, with Kenobi, whomever. So I think once I see him fully engaged in an actual show because it's easy to be fooled by a clip or by mm -hmm. a two minute you know whatever yep. so i think that's where we get we fall into that trap so i'm hoping that once i see this character in those first two episodes i'll be like okay the look makes sense i can see how they're going to use him blah 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 i'm cool with it it's just again these are just my initial thoughts on what we're presenting i can't help what we're getting right now yeah exactly yeah. it and I agree with Ben. I feel like the more com uh, the more frequent or recent shots have looked better. And it's based on the <clears throat> angles. Like if you look at him from straight on his face, you don't see like the depth in like his lines and stuff. And the lighting right. looked way off and stuff in that first one. So I think even this image already starts to look a little bit better than that very first image that now is ingrained in our minds because it's the first image we've seen. So now we automatically compare everything to that and that's gonna just bring down everything. But yeah. Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. I so I seen that the celebration guests have been expanded and Rupert Friend is gonna be there doing autographs. So I I put this out on Twitter. I said I dare somebody to go up to him and say his face is too round to be the Inquisitor. So, oh hey, man! Hey hey hey! They might have been listening to my to my pitch before. All they gotta do bring him up on stage and crack some jokes about his head. <laughs> there we yeah. go. We got we got Sim Sims chiming in. This is my first time watching you guys. Really digging it though. Hey, appreciate you coming appreciate back. Yeah, yep, awesome. Appreciate it. We it's also have fun. We show. also have captain alex hey 
Hey, how's it going, Captain Alex? We also have Dark Nerdy Gonzo in the chat. Glad the Inquisitors are crossing into live action. For right, I've been right. wanting them more in the new canon. The only thing that kind of kills it a little bit is knowing some of their fates already. Yeah. Yeah. I One thing I'm interested in, too, I don't know if you guys caught it. Um, did you see Ewan McGregor did a little interview and he said... Um, a lot of the fans analyzing and predicting in the Kenobi, mm -hmm. what, like what's in the Kenobi trailers, are mostly wrong by the predictions. I see that. <laughs> Just to throw that in there. Yep. I mean, I hope that's true. I hope that none of us know exactly what's going on, and you know, it's all bullshit, and that they are trying to, you know, sucker sucker us yeah. in, which would be perfect because I, I obviously we do know how the Grand Inquisitor will end. Ultimately, I don't know about. A lot of these other ones. I mean, we know some of them, but um, at the end of the day, though, like I just want it to be a good six episode series. And I know there's talks of a potential season two, maybe. I, we don't yeah. know that yet. But again, I just want it to be a good story, you know. And, and I think Deborah Chow will do that. I think so. So, this next image I pulled here is that tense conversation between. Obi Wan Oon. and I. This is the best dialogue I've seen and I've heard in Star Wars in a long time. It's like, we need to train him, and he's like, mm -hmm. like you trained the previous one. I I did a terrible job doing it. Somebody could probably do the dialogue directly. I should have pulled. Pretty much, up. he says, like you trained his father. Yes, that's yep. the exact yeah. line. So <laughs> no, I, I I love this dialogue, and and I actually liked how Ewan McGregor sounded because you can definitely tell like he's trying to sound a little bit older. Maybe more towards that allegenic type type sound, because um, mm -hmm. he's what he's got to be what as his character has to be what early fifties here, you know. Yeah. So yeah. like, I mean, I, I mean, he would be in a New Hope. I'm pretty sure Obi Wan was around he's like 63. thirty. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, in um, in Revenge of the Sith, yeah, he's he's like forty. So so Ewan Ewan's about his actual age. He's like fifty fifty one in this yeah. in this range. So that, that makes I mean obviously with today the way the way six year olds look compared to six year olds yeah. in nineteen seventy completely different, but like I just love this dialogue and I just love having Joel Edgerton back to play Uncle or, or Uncle. So it, good. Uh, what's his first name? Owen. Owen. Owen Lars. Yeah. Yeah. Owen Lars. So like I I love that this I cannot wait to see this interaction. Yeah. Because you thing. know this yeah. is something that needs to happen. You know this is something that's juicy for all the fans. Yeah, I mean they've already kind of covered a little bit of the ground um, with with the the, the Obi Wan Kenobi comics, and I definitely got to remind myself to go back and read those three issues because there is some tense dialogue between Owen and and Obi Wan and Obi Wan's hut and that I, from what I remember, but it's pretty neat though because we've never actually seen these characters on screen, and we get to see why Owen thinks of so negatively of obi-wan when we when we hear the conversation between them in a new hope so that's something that i didn't know i needed but after this quick line of dialogue it's like yeah give me more of this content because this is just expanding on everything we know about luke and obi-wan oh for sure and the fact you know they got joel egerton back to like play uh play uncle owen is great you know one thing i i saw a fan bring up um, just on Twitter, uh, it's like just a speculative like question. Um, and I'm not sure if they've already done it in canon, Chris, you might have to correct me. But could we potentially, so, you know, we know Luke's in this series just because the trailers. It makes me wonder, will they call him Luke Lars in this show? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, mean cause he's, I don't know. Because he's Luke Skywalker, 
in the New Hope. I mean, what what would? Oh make, yeah, that's true. Because my thing is, what would what would make them think that Lars would be a better? You know, I, why why would they re um, redo that? That was like goofy. undercover because Empire. Maybe. Maybe. But, but I, I know I, 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 yeah. I saw that tweet. I saw that tweet the other day. I was like, "Oh, that's an interesting like idea." Mm. But yeah. just to throw that out there. Yeah, Sim Sims is saying, "Do you guys think we will see Vader step foot on Tatooine?" I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think looking at the canon, or excuse me, canon. I guess even well, mostly non-canon. They talk about this actually. I believe in the Obi Wan book, which was done by John Jackson Miller. There's a scene at the, I believe at the end of the book, where Obi-Wan finds out about Vader. And I know this happens in Revenge of the Sith novelization, too, by Matt Stover, where he communicates with uh, with uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. And then he's like, wait, Vader? And he's like, I thought he was dead. He's like, no, he's alive. And he explains it to him. And Qui-Gon's like, he won't step foot on Tatooine because there's too many painful memories for him. It reminds him of Anakin, blah, 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 blah. So he won't come. I think we might get that. In this oh. show, where they, where, where, where they might speak on why he won't ever step foot on Tatooine. Oh, you mean he oh, already you mean potentially. did, though. Vader did? Yeah, did in the he? comics. Oh, in the, in the first... oh, oh, that's right. Did, didn't he kill the Tuskins or something? Yeah. Bleed his saber? It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, pretty I, I remember cool. that. But I can't. But, but okay, but they can still show. they can still retcon that yeah. to where they can go, all right, he bled his saber, but something sparked in his head where he like could never do it again. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I can see them doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I agree with that. And um, just to answer uh, Simpson's question with it, like I think when it comes to that, the thing is the only way Vader could ever be on Tatooine is like he would have like Obi Wan would basically have to be off planet, so Vader would have Vader would have no reason to go back to Tatooine. Like right. Like it's just it's just too tricky because because if, if Vader would have an even an inkling or a sense in the Force that Obi Wan's on Tatooine. The whole empire would be occupying Tatooine, like so. Uh, I, I don't think we'll see Vader there. I feel like there's a better chance of us seeing Vader in maybe other like, like main Star Wars locations. Yeah, I guess you I, would say. I mean, this could be simply remedied by just having a shot at night. But I know a lot of creators and and different people involved with Star Wars are like. Yeah, we we wanted to put Vader in the Battle of Scarif, but like Vader just wouldn't fit in a no. tropical location. Like like the aesthetic of Vader's like this dark black night wouldn't be on a sunny beach. Like it just doesn't work. Like the only place we see Vader are usually in like inside starships where it's like very muted colors, or it's like in a dark right. place, like a dark hallway. Or like in a castle or Mustafar or on Mustafar where it's all dark and stormy. It's supposed to be like, like a scary you know, like a monster. Yeah. Exactly. It just well, and so the, the only like, time we've yeah. seen him lit ever, from my understanding, was on Hoth. But even that though, the way they yeah. shot Hoth with him being at, in that cave, they they definitely dropped the lighting to make it mm-hmm. like more like cavey look. Yeah. So I mean, it, it you know it it is. I, I don't think they're going to overexpose Vader in this show to the point where he's in every scene and he's mm-hmm. in scenes that he shouldn't be in. That's right. Now moving but no, I think, on. I think, I, think, I think that's a good question by Simpson. So like, dude, like, oh, yeah. your questions thus far have been tight. That's a good great one. questions. Heck yeah! Now I'm I'm excited about this as a fan of Return of the Jedi. As I've gone over many times, probably my favorite Star Wars movie. And they introduced the Lambda class shuttle, and here we see Fortress Inquisitorius. I would assume, 
And I love the details of this hangar area or whatever you want to call it because you have the TIE fighter suspended from the ceiling, which is a new kind of look. I haven't really seen that in like right. an Imperial installation. I feel like there's some new things going on here. Then I'm looking, there's, it looks like one of the Inquisitor ships is there, but then you see the Lambda class shuttle, which would probably signify that Vader is there because Vader usually travels uh, by one of those. So for me, I had to pull this one just because Hey, look at all these Imperials on this platform. It's not just Inquisitors. There's a lot of Stormtroopers, a lot of Imperial officers, as we'll see later on in one of these image I, images I pulled. So again, this is just one of those where I was like, hey, this is a cool cool scene with a lot of things going on in the background. Yeah, I, I don't mind the scene. I mean, I, I think I think this can be like, you know, any any setup. But I mean, I do like all the Imperial ships. I think I think Ben and I talked about this at one point. Like we want to see what the empire is like during this time, yep. you know. Like, like how are they really locking shit down and controlling the galaxy, uh, and really just putting their grip, their iron fist on the on the the galaxy? So it's nice to see what this will potentially be and how they're just you know really evolving as uh, as, as as a government. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that's that's I feel like one of the big things I'm excited about for this series as well as Andor, just seeing how the Empire is running things, how they're you know putting their enforcers out there like the Inquisitors or potentially the Death Troopers and like Andor things like that. You know, it's going to be cool just seeing the organization of things. Like I feel like as well with this shot, um, there's a potential maybe. Maybe this is like an early episode one type shot of like, you know, I could see him. I don't know. Say, say we get some type of whatever generic, some type of Tatooine opening with Obi Wan, and then like the first cut will be boom right into like the Inquisitor's face. You know what I'm saying? Or on the flip side, what I mean, who knows? We can maybe get it on um, a uh, almost a different point of view. Maybe boom, it starts out kind of like, uh, kind of like say. Uh, not the beginning of Return of the Jedi, but say, you know, you we go straight into the Empire stuff and they're like, hey, uh, we heard about a Jedi, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, that leads uh -huh. us, transitions us into Tatooine. Like, maybe it's going to be something along those lines where we just jump right into the action, potentially. Right. Yeah, so that that's the thing right is how how are they even going to find that kenobi's there and i'm very interested if it's going to be like something from jedi fallen order where we see cal helping somebody in need force was used and next thing you know a probe droid spots him using it and that and that's what happens and we have a shot again i'm making a lot of allusions to future images here which i'm going to save that conversation maybe <laughs> for just a little bit later on here um, okay we're getting into the next image here as I pull that up very quickly, here we go. This is another one that's in Fortress Inquisitorius. And I like this one especially because you actually get to see like the coordination between Indira Varma's uh, Imperial Officer. She's She played one of the Sand Snakes in, in the Game of Thrones. So it's really cool seeing her. But we see the map. So it's, it's neat because you also see this other Inquisitor, which apparently was actually in a Vader's Castle comic mm -hmm. book. Which I was like, oh, wow, I didn't catch that somehow. But somebody else got it online. It's it's pretty cool. So I'm going to have to pull that issue out one of these days. But, yeah, it's nice seeing that the Inquisitors aren't just kind of, like, doing this by themselves. Like, they have the full might of the Empire. All intel It's like this intelligence room. I thought this was neat. 
Yeah, it, it's a dope scene. I, I like the way it's lit. I like the way it looks. I mean, you can definitely tell these people are very much uh, strategicians. You know, like they, 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 they seem like they're intelligent. They're not, you know, just your regular imperial officers or whatever. You know, they seem like they're in control of what's going on in, in their situation in their mission. So I feel like, I feel like we're going to get a very different take on what type of soldiers or enemies these people are. Yeah, we saw them in. And rebels, but you can get away with certain things in, in animation. Yeah, and it can come off differently. I think with this live action version of the Inquisitors, I think we're going to see a different type of Star Wars character that we've never seen before. Right, because oh. we're used to seeing. Oh, go ahead, Ben. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I totally agree with you, Milton. Like, I think it's going to be, you know, interesting take on them. Uh, you know, they'll be a they'll be an interesting threat. Like when it comes to these inquisitors, I do think there's a chance, you know, the fact that you bring up Chris, um, that new inquisitor is out of a, out of the, uh, the Vader's castle thing. Like maybe there's a potential that like, you know, you know how it is with shows or movies, not even in just the star Wars franchise. Like when you introduce, like, because, you know, we're all thinking like, say, Hey, Revan, the grand inquisitor are kind of like the top dogs here. So like maybe, this new Inquisitor is going to end up being kind of like cannon fodder. So say like the first kill for Kenobi, like if he has to take one of them out or something, like Mm -hmm. maybe it'll be something like that. Um, Because obviously he's not taking out the Grand Inquisitor. Um, So maybe, maybe that'll be kind of like the first test or first, uh, first little obstacle for Kenobi potentially. Yeah. So as Milton was saying about the difference between animation and live action is you can get sometimes a little bit more nuance in the live action. So what I was thinking of is, believe it or not, yeah, this is the first time we're delving into that gap other than Rogue One and Solo live action between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And you're saying in the last slide we were looking at here, it's like, hey, let's see what's going on with the Empire. And in regards to the Inquisitors, it's like, I want to see that relationship. Like, how do the, the rank-and-file soldiers, like, how do the stormtroopers, like, react when they see an Inquisitor? How do the Imperial officers, like this Indira character, how do they approach them? Do they honor them? Do they look down on them? Are they terrified of them? Because we know from Jedi Fallen Order that most of these Inquisitors used to be Jedi at some point, or at least Jedi initiates or, like, Jedi younglings or something that were bred to be Inquisitors over time, or at least kind of tortured into being an Inquisitor. So right. I, I, I'm looking to see how that dynamic is. Like, because we see so much of the dynamic. I was watching an episode of The Clone Wars today. It's like you see how the, the clones respect the, the, the Jedi, their commanders, their generals, and all this sort of thing. So I'm very curious to see how that uh, that's going to play out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, see, I, I agree. I don't think that... I think that's something that's going to be very interesting to see, too. I, I, I don't disagree at all. So, going off of Ben's first speculative piece about, hey, how could this show start? I think this could be as good as any place to start as you open up with Inquisitorius shooting off some probe droids. Because this is essentially the same thing we got of the Empire Strikes Back, right? You see those oh, yeah, probes going all throughout the galaxy. And then, yeah, so I, I think it's cool how we actually see how probes are being shot out of something that's not a Star Wars. I mean, it's just like a nostalgic thing where it's like, hey, we get to see some probe droids again. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, but you know what, though? I can see them starting slow. 
like slow build the episode to it. I can get us. I think they want us to be not invested in the Inquisitors. It's gonna be about Obi Wan. I think we're gonna get maybe. Uh, what's the movie? Um, Logan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how how slow that was starting, and then see how like as the movie progresses, like stuff happens. Um, I I, I want to see what Obi Wan's doing right away. Like just w- what's his mindset like, and then obviously see what the Inquisitors are doing because something has to set them off to be looking for him. Because I think if we get a cold opening with Inquisitors searching for him, I'm like, well, what what caused that? Yeah. Now, like like what now again. They, now we can get away, or we can get them with a scene of them just hunting down a regular random Jedi. Yeah. And then maybe the Jedi say, like, may speak Kenobi's name and say, oh. you know, like, well, oh, see, you know, something like that. I don't know. Ben, you, you might have well, inside knowledge about how the show starts. Oh, no, no. I, I definitely don't when it comes to the <laughs> opening. But, um, but no, like, my thing is when it comes to, uh, to it is, like, I, I wasn't more speculating along the lines of, like, Kenobi say, Maybe, um, maybe, you know, as you said, there's like another Jedi. So maybe we get like an opening and it's kind of like, kind of like a fake out. Like we think, oh my gosh, they're going straight after Kenobi. And then it turns out to be like, you know, maybe some side Jedi from, you know, whatever, from, from from a book. Yeah. Shock T. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like some other Jedi, boom. Like, and then, cause you know, it would set the audience off right away. Like, oh my gosh, are they going straight to Kenobi? And then it's like, oh wait, it's a different Jedi. Like maybe it's something along those lines. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like either way, I do feel like we're all of these shots will be probably in the first two episodes. Um, but I am thinking kind of more along your lines, Milton. Like I, these openings, like I kind of speculated about, I think would be exciting, mm-hmm. but realistically, um, I do think since they're releasing both episodes for the premiere, it makes me really wonder if the first episode is more of a story builder and the second episode is mm. the action episode. Right. I can That's see that. And again, I really, really am wondering which, which would be fine. I think with all three of us, because yep. we've, I've said it, I know that these shows need to be released in two episodes to, to, to premiere it because there's got, you need to build the audience for if it's a limited series you mm-hmm. need to tell us within two episodes. Look at the who, difference between when, Boba one where, and two. And w- exactly, because we all felt that episode two was better than episode one. Yeah, way better. So, like, set set us up with story with episode one. Make us feel those characters. Then episode two, push the narrative, and then we're like, okay, we know where we're at the next four or five episodes. Hmm. I'm gonna go back a little bit. We got a question from Simpsons. What if Obi Wan force projects himself like Luke did in Jedi? I don't mm. think that'll happen simply because I think Luke learned that information from one of the old Jedi texts that he probably found from like one of like the old Republic Jedi from years and years ago. I don't right. think Obi-Wan would have a reason to do that. I mean, I, I, I just don't think that Obi-Wan not. would possess that knowledge. I don't, I don't if, think, well, well, my, well, my thing with, with, the whole thing with Obi-Wan is, is that I don't think he possessed the knowledge and the power realistically too, because like, like Obi-Wan, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've read some of the new Canon books, Canon things here and there. And even in the old Canon or the old legends books, like Obi-Wan wasn't a powerful Jedi in the force. He was more of a say Floyd Mayweather um, for all my boxing people. Like he was more of a defensive, he's a defensive lightsaber duelist. Like he's really good at defensive lightsaber so you know he's not powerful in the force 
like say Anakin or even Luke would be or Ahsoka, people like that, because he his specialty is definitely being a defensive fighter. So, uh, you know, I don't think Obi-Wan would be powerful enough. And like, you know, I don't think he would. I mean, he wouldn't do it because it, it would. I mean, the only time we've seen it on screen so far, it killed somebody. So I don't think, you know, I don't think that'll happen. But um, but just because my, my thing with Obi-Wan for this series is for him, like whatever mission this ends up being, because we know he's off Tatooine at some point, like we see him in that shot with the blaster. So like it has to be something really important for him to be off Tatooine. So it just, you know, it just begs the question, what what is that eventually? Yeah, let me tell you right now. If they do that, I'm gonna be so mad. Like, I, look, there's there's no need for him to force project because that brings up a lot of salty ass wounds for me when it comes to the Last Jedi. <laughs> um, like, I mean, and listen, I'm not here to bash. I'm just saying, yep. like, I just know a lot of fans, and I know fans did like that particular part of that movie. So I'm not. I'm giving credit, but a lot of fans that I know, even whether it's in person, whether it's friends and family. Or on social media were like that force projecting thing wasn't working out, but it worked for Luke at that time. For Kenobi, it just doesn't make sense because that would tear him apart. Hell, Ben said it in his movie. He said this will rip you apart. So yeah. it wouldn't make it wouldn't make any sense for Obi Wan to master that power, but then Luke wouldn't have that knowledge himself like forty years later. So yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, we have we have some speculation coming in from our buddy Dark Nerdy Gonzo. Wouldn't be surprised if another Jedi finds Obi-Wan, and it'll be who the Inquisitors are actually hunting, which unexpectedly leads them to Obi-Wan, adding another reason to run away from right. Tatooine to cover for Luke. Which I, I can see that, and, and I'm thinking, yeah. honestly, the Jedi, and I'll, I'll put it out there to you guys. Okay. What Jedi would you want that to be? Shock T. I- yeah, I, I think that's great. I, I want, I want because they to be the she one died like, so many times in Legends. Just yeah. let's get the canonical version of it, so we can stop like going over how she died like three or four different <laughs> times. <laughs> and at least it's a Jedi that she would be familiar with. You know what I mean? Like we've seen there in the same era and all well, that kind of thing. Well, Facts. that and it would be it'd be good um, even for not us hardcore fans, it'd be good face value for normal fans because at minimum general audience, people will be like, Oh, I think I remember seeing that character in one of the other movies, you know? So like that, that would actually be really cool. Like, I definitely think it's going to be, I I just feel like with the Inquisitors, there has to be some type of another Jedi involved because if Obi-Wan, even if they like sense a ping of Obi-Wan, they're not going to leave Tatooine. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, so this next image here makes me um, very happy. Now, I didn't even pick this up the first time. It wasn't until, I think, Ben, you mentioned this in the chat. I was like, hey, is that 4OM, the infamous bounty hunter from Empire Strikes Back? Because we get a direct quote from Reva, the third sister herself, saying something about getting all the scum or getting all the bounty hunters to go after him. She doesn't care at this point. She wants to bring him in. And then they show 4OM. Or at least I assume it is. It's so dark. But I mean, you could just tell by the silhouette here. The bulbous head. Now, he usually has a rifle. But I mean, hey, he could use blasters in each hand too. So I think that would be kind of cool to see um, him. Because you do see a lot of blaster fire in the background. I got to commit this planet's name to my memory. I know it starts with something with a D. But... Uh, da- Dayub. There you go. Dayu. So there's going to be a lot of action, and we see another clip here in a second I'll show, but 
I think it's great that we get to see more of these bounty hunters that we all know and love because we didn't see for LOM in the Clone Wars in which we've seen Boss, we've seen Dengar, we've seen Boba Fett, we've seen R. Singh. So it's nice to get, you know, give this droid a little bit of the limelight. At least I don't think he'll probably be around very long, but um, it's still nice to see, see him in a different part of the timeline. Yeah, I mean, th this scene doesn't really, like, do it for me. I'm not really into the robots. I think I know you are, Chris, into the droids. Um, but this one, it doesn't really do it for me. But obviously, look, if this hunt bounty hunter or droid, whomever, if he becomes a badass and he does his job, I'm going to like him. Oh, for, for sure. Like, you know, I, uh, you know, it's cool seeing 4LOM. Four, four and it just makes you wonder what other potential side bounty hunters could possibly pop up, you know, just, just in general, because I feel like with them, with her literally and them highlighting, you know, her saying, you know, all the bounty hunters and blah, blah, blah. I feel like there could be like shots of, I mean, we even see like the most wanted thing. We'll get to that, but like, you know, there might be like a shot of, uh, I don't know. What's it called, Chris, where the bounty hunters work, like the bounty hunters guild or something. Like maybe mm -hmm. maybe we get a bunch of just random bounty hunters like heading out on a mission too. So we're gonna have them in the background, you know, just different like odds and ends things, because there's obviously gonna be some bounty hunters in this show. It just matters or it just comes down to who. Yeah, and and the funny thing is that we were speculating for weeks on this show about who are we gonna see Dengar, we're we gonna see Bosk and Book of Boba Fett, yeah. and nobody showed up, and then we get like one trailer for. Obi-Wan, and we're seeing one of the classic bounty hunters, which we didn't get to see in the, the, the bounty hunter show. So I, I find that kind of ironic that, like, Lucasfilm was like, hey, we, we heard the outcry. Here's the bounty hunter you want. <laughs> yeah. I would like to see IG-88. Okay, you give us 401. What's the next best droid? Give us IG-88. Yeah, Cad Bane. I mean, there's an image out there of a uh, promotional image of uh, Dayu and, and yeah. everyone's walking through and people are like, oh, there's a top hat there and it's so vague. You can't really see very well, but I, I can't imagine that Cad Bane would be in here. But I mean, like they, the they created that costume. That costume, If we'll talk about the documentary. It looked amazing. It's like, why not reuse it if you can? Makes sense. He's in that See, universe at the time. That's the only argument I have for that. Like, like you said, a hat in the background. Like, that's that's tough to say. Oh yeah, that's Cad. But just like just like say Luke and you know Mando, all of this stuff. It comes down to like, okay, you you spend so much time and effort making the Cad Bane costume, making the CGI Luke, all these things. Like, you're only you're telling me you're only going to use it one time. Like, that's the hard part. I have. To believe like so maybe who knows maybe we do see cat Bane. i don't know so uh yeah i don't know it's, it's definitely interesting speculation and it just it's just exciting knowing we're only two weeks away <laughs> yeah this is the fun stuff when we see images like this characters popping up oh what's going on here this is this is what we live for as hardcore star wars fans here all right let me pull up another one here Okay, sorry, I just completely lost it. Okay, here we go. This, this is the image you're referencing here, Ben, of Obi-Wan Kenobi on a wanted list. Yep. This is cool. Yes. I mean, I don't... I, I know how to translate Arabish, but I need my translator card, so I can't tell you guys what this says now. 
Although people online have translated it, and it's nothing substantial other than, hey, wanted Obi-Wan and some other things, but hey, it's yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty much just all it was. Like, I think it was, I think it was wanted, and like one of the other words on it was like enemy or something, or enemy mm-hmm. of the enemy of the enemy of the empire or something like that. Like, um, you know, just something simple. But it it does make you wonder if if you know who's going to be looking at this. Obviously, it's not going to be Vader because Vader knows who knows this. So it just makes you wonder who's going to be looking at it, or who knows? Maybe. I mean, this is pure speculation. So maybe we get a scene where. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys can imagine it. Like, what if Obi-Wan's sneaking around somewhere, Tatooine, Dayu, wherever, and he, like, literally looks over, and he's the one, and he's like, oh, crap. Like, and, you know, there's other sketchy people around, you know? So it's kind of one of those classic, like, scenes, you know, see in movies or, or shows like this where you have someone sneaking around and, you know, sneaking past their wanted picture yeah. type deal. Like, I, I feel like it could be almost, like, kind of, a light-hearted-ish type moment. Like, you know what I mean? You've seen that type of tropes in different shows and movies before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then you have you have this image here, which is him just completely fighting. Uh, for some reason, it's not working. Oh, okay, I see what happened there. I see what happened. Okay. Let me show this again. Okay, there we go. Yes, so you, you see him fighting with a Zabrak just randomly out there on the street, you know? Okay. <laughs> I, listen, is... people forget that. Oh, look, Obi-Wan can use his hands. Like, people forget that. Like, Obi-Wan can throw hands if he needs to. So, like, I, I'm, I'm glad that we're going to see some more hand-to-hand combat. With Obi Wan, uh, I mean, it's easy for him to use a lightsaber and just wreck somebody that way. But I want to see how he's changed up his style of like being, you know, like a warrior because he can't he can't expose himself as a Jedi, obviously. So he has to use his hands and use a blaster and be more of a, a you know use his mind to get away with stuff. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I like this. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree with you, Milton. I mean, if people like see these scenes with. I'm really interested to see if people forget about Attack of the Clones or even Revenge of the Sith when Obi-Wan's having a hand fight Jango and then even when him and Anakin are getting into some of their like um some of their fighting um without when they lose their lightsabers. So it makes you just wonder um I, I wonder if people are gonna forget about those sequences and be like, Oh, why is Obi-Wan fighting with his hands? Because, you know, it it's just uh it's cool that they're gonna actually show it. Because I always thought that was one of the coolest parts like in say attack of the clones was oh wow a jedi can fight hand-to-hand combat actually like that's pretty cool well i uh, I remember i remember anakin does this in uh clone wars because he fights um that senator who was hitting on yeah who was hitting on padme it's it's like it's like out of scene (laughs) it's like a scene out of drive remember that movie drive with um what's his name um you good looking guy pretty boy that played in uh remember the titans but um he like just beats the hell out of all those people in that movie, and Anakin was like, "Okay, I don't need a saber." Chucked it and just wrecks old boy. Like, I mean, we, we've seen that. We've seen Jedi's throw haymakers when, when you need to, and I, I, I'm pretty sure Obi Wan went hand to hand combat, and sometimes in Cold War. So it's it, it's doable. Yeah, what I like, what I like to think about, and again, it's dangerous to speculate. We all done it. We've all been disappointed when it doesn't come true. 
But I like to think there's an entire episode set on Dayu, which is basically Obi-Wan staying undercover like we've seen from the many screenshots. He gets found, and then he's got to try to not to use his lightsaber, and he's got to fight these guys hand-in-hand. It's like the whole episode is like him trying to get off the planet, and like every bounty hunter... Every low-life scum is trying to get their credits, trying to take him down. You see like him going in the alleyways like this. And then even at the certain point where we see him firing in the other uh, trailer, the teaser trailer with him with the blaster. I think it's going to be so cool because like, as I just got done reading Star Wars Brotherhood, minor little thing. It's not really a huge spoiler, but at one point he's doing something and he's trying everything in his power not to use the lightsaber trying everything in his power not to use a lightsaber he's trying to be a jedi peacekeeper not you know a fighter but when it comes down to his life being threatened he will use that lightsaber without a doubt Um, so i i want to see him like fighting with like having to use the restraint but eventually when that lightsaber comes out it's going to be like the money shot man it's going to be the thing we're all waiting for i feel like we're not going to see him use that lightsaber until like maybe not even like halfway through the series oh i can I completely agree. I, I feel like that's not even me knowing different things. Like I, I don't think just, just realistically, like I don't think we'll see him use it until maybe at the latest, or I guess it would be earliest, maybe end of second episode into the third episode, just because like they have to build up some type of a suspense because it's not going to, it's, this isn't going to be like, you know, say the pre- in the prequel era where you can just whip your lightsaber out right in public or something. Right. Because it's obviously an important uh, thing to be undercover about. So I don't I don't think we'll see it for a while. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. We have a couple people in the chat chiming in. All right. We got some first time commenters in here as well. We have Ryan Mincy. We have Naomi Diaz. Welcome, everybody, to our lively Star Wars chat. Thanks for stopping by. Um, this was a, a clear one. And me knowing about 4LM in the comics, of course, if 4LM shows up, usually he's going to show up with his pal Zuckus. And uh, so that somebody in the chat mentioned that as well. So I was like, yeah, I should have mentioned that um, because we've been seeing. Oh, yeah, that's Dark Nerdy Gonzo. Of course, he would say that because I feel like he's into those uh, bounty hunters and all that, just like I am. Uh, but yeah, we've been seeing a lot of adventurers for LOM. So I'm looking to see how more go in the future with him moving on all right we got the next one coming up here this one is another one i'm very very curious about so we have a ton of stormtroopers reva's not messing around she's got her lightsaber ignited but if you look closely you see those flanking troopers that look kind of like they're death troopers but not really those are our new revamped designs of the purge troopers which Purge Troopers have had a cool history in Star Wars. They were first introduced in one of the best Star Wars runs of comics, period, that I've ever read, at least, and that's the Darth Vader comics uh, by Charles Soule, in which we go right after the events of Revenge of the Sith a couple years in, and that's when the Purge Troopers are introduced, when Vader is put in charge by Palpatine to lead the Fortress Inquisitoris. It's not always just the, um, the Inquisitors. They have other troopers to back them up and at the time of the comics which are like a year or so in uh to the empire they are actually the last batch of clones that are encapsulated in the purge trooper armor and there's one instance in this adventure that vader goes on to take down this jedi on Moncala, and the jedi incites the order 66 thing on the purge troopers 
and they start firing at the Inquisitors who used to be Jedi. It's this, it's one of the best moments it's in crazy. the comics, period, because it's like, holy crap, they're turning on their own leaders. Um, so ever since then, it seems like they, the Empire's like, okay, we can't do this anymore. Let's, let's get recruits in there. And then we fast forward five years in the future after Revenge of the Sith, and that's when we have Jedi Fallen Order. And now those are conscripted soldiers that are trained very well to be purge troopers, but they have slightly different helmets than these ones. And this show is taking place about five years after Jedi Fallen Order. And if we know anything about Empire and troop design, it's like they always are revamping their trooper suits and all this. So this makes perfect sense. Five years after Jedi Fallen Order, yeah, they've revamped the design, whatever. So I, I'm just excited to see like a, a comic book creation slash video game creation make the jump to live action. That makes me very happy. Well, this makes me really wonder, actually, could this be maybe the first time we see Vader? Like, because, you know, with the uh, Purge Troopers, are you meaning they're around Vader? Like, could they potentially be, like, coming in here with Reva to basically, like, you know, if the whole, you know, come secure the area for the big boss to show up type deal? Like, could we get that type of a thing with this sequence, potentially? Yeah, it could be. I mean, Vader also travels a lot with with death troopers as well so we see that in the comics and, and that's been happening a lot recently but i mean yeah he's definitely been in the presence of plenty of purge troopers in, in the comic book so it's not without question but yeah it's just you know it's, it's it's star wars any new star wars project especially when it's set in that a uh, galactic empire era they always want to push for like a new troop design which hey i never want to complain about because Everything from the range troopers and the bed troopers and solo to the death troopers in Rogue One. And here we got the purge troopers, which are the big prominent ones. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a beautiful scene. It looks good. Uh, I'm excited to see. Again, I I'm, think I'm really excited about what the Empire is like at this time. I, I just want to see how they are and how they tick. So I, I love what I'm seeing here. I'm, just, I'm hoping this, this plays out the way it needs to play out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Now this is a shot that I'm very happy to see as well. And this is Obi-Wan in a sight of panic, drawing a blaster on somebody. I think he actually might even fire it in the, in the actual scene here. But this is this could be like how he gets found because and this is where I was piecing things together from an earlier image about, hey, the probe droids are going somewhere. Maybe this is how the story starts. Because you see a downed probe droid prominently in the background there. So this is him kind of like, uh-oh. And then the storm, and then the probe droid's probably calling in the stormtroopers to go investigate. And then they'll probably get a message out to the Inquisitors. And that's when he's got to ditch Dayu. Again, I don't... Ben, ben, I know you know some stuff. You, you look, And everybody out there, there's a lot of leaked stuff you can look up. I have not seen any of it. I care not to look at the leaked stuff. Cause yeah. That's just how I like to go into these things. But I can kind of start to piece together some things but the good thing about the trailer is it really doesn't give too too much away um mm -hmm. but i i could start to see that happening where it's like okay he gets found by the probe droids and and here we are but i like to see him undercover i like to see him on tatooine and stormtroopers on tatooine which is kind of neat because before i thought that stormtroopers never really made it to tatooine until a new hope but mm -hmm. now that is proved false <clears throat> I mean, yeah, look, I, I think this is a very telling scene. I think, obviously, this is where I think the Empire becomes on notice about Kenobi. Again, I don't know if this is Tatooine or not, because I just feel like if it was, like, they and, and they knew he was there, they would be there all the time. Like, I feel like they would think, well, if yeah. he's, he's there, 
there's got to be other Jedi of, of importance there too, or there's something that he's hiding there, or he's there for a reason. Um, I mean, I don't. Hopefully, this is a different planet because my my only fear, honestly, Chris, is that we're going to see planets that look like Tatooine throughout this whole series, and it's like I want to switch it up. <laughs> um, oh. So yeah, I mean, like I said, I I'm tired of seeing Tatooine all the time. Don't don't get me wrong; it's a great planet because it's it's a staple of Star Wars, but Hopefully this is somewhere where it's different that's not Tatooine. Because, again, we've gotten J- Jakku. We've gotten Tatooine. Um, I feel like the last couple series or even movies have been mainly focused on desert planets. Yeah, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I know stuff about the series, but I don't know anything about this. Um, yeah, like you said, it makes you wonder. I don't actually, yeah, that's actually a very good point, Milton, you brought up. Like, I don't think this may end up being Tatooine because if they oh. even get an inkling, if they get an inkling, it's Obi-Wan. Like, I just don't think they would leave. Yeah. Um, but maybe I uh, see, but even if you say he, he runs off planet. Yeah. It's it just, it's so, it's so tricky putting this story together because like, if he runs off planet, like say they discover him on Tatooine, if they, if he runs off planet, they would probably still anyways, leave an Imperial garrison yeah. there just in case he comes yeah. back. So it's just it's tricky. So is he gonna? I, I don't know. Actually, this is um. I mean, quite hell, the puzzle. Th- yeah. I mean, think about this. So we we already got precedent of how they would react if they need something out of the planet. They did it in New Hope, where the the droids shot themselves out of the Star Destroyer on the Tatooine, uh-huh. and they sent everybody to go hunt them down. Two robots. Imagine yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi on Obi Wan on Tatooine. Yeah. I mean, like Vader himself would. The Emperor might even entertain showing up. He might yeah. entertain. And obviously, Tarkin's around during his time. So Tarkin would have to be leading that garrison at that point. Because Tarkin's second in command. Vader isn't at this point. People forget that. Mm-hmm. Tarkin's the guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So See, I'm just thinking, like, it, it, it just wouldn't make sense if they... St- this has to be somewhere different. And like I said, I... We see the stormtrooper in the background. We see the probe droid there too. So they had to have tracked him somewhere else. Unless he fakes his death somehow, and they're absolutely Tracked. sure right. that he's right. dead. That's how I think there's the only way out for Obi Wan is is faking his death by Vader somehow. I, right. I, I, I Which do not I, know. I mean, and I I think I think we've said that because people are going to say, even people that hear about the show being, they're like, well, how how the hell did. The, the, why, why is this happening? Vader doesn't know that he's alive. I thought Vader said he was dead in New Hope. Yeah. We we think I think I know that something's going to happen where we think he's dead, and that's why Vader's going to continue to have to say, "Oh wait, he's he's alive later in mm-hmm. the movie." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sim Sims is also chiming in. What we hear from Qui Gon. So, man, I will also be there with him if Qui Gon doesn't show up. I'm going to be a little bit disappointed. Right. And I go back to uh, this source book that was re- released like a year or two ago, yep. where I think it was called the Skywalker Saga Family. It's like a biographical type of like Star Wars book. But anyway, at one point it did say specifically like, oh, Obi-Wan like trained with Qui-Gon 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. Like it straight up says like 10 years. I'm like, mm-hmm. that can't be a coincidence. This is 10 years. What's going on mm-hmm. here? So ever since I read that, it's like, that's got to be it. I think so. I mean, I, who's that question from again? 
That is from SimSims. Yeah, I mean, again, him with the, the questions tonight. I mean, bro, if you want to just keep asking yeah, him, that's fine. Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, like I said, share 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 the podcast and the stream with your, your other Star Wars buddies because I know you're not the only one out there. Um, <laughs> but, but to answer that question, I mean, it would make sense. Look, if they want to hold uh, a Liam Neeson away from us as a, as a surprise, that's fine with me because I, I would love to hear his voice or at least see – a two-minute scene of him talking and communing with Obi-Wan about how to tap into the afterlife of the Force and, you know, all that type of stuff. Even talking about Anakin, a.k.a. Vader, like, I would love to see that. So I think we put put a, put a percentage on it. I think we see him 55%, 60 we, That That's how I'm thinking we're going to see it. Not as much, but I mean, I'm guaranteeing that number in the sense of I feel good about Liam Neeson showing up for at least a cameo, yeah, maybe two scenes. Yeah, can you imagine? Can you imagine this scene here? Vader in, in his meditation chamber, and Qui Gon oh, calling to son Vader in his meditation <laughs> oh, chamber. You are, you already and know. And you hear it in his head. He's in, he's got the helmet off. It's you can see it. You can ha- see like Hayden's face like in the meditation chamber, and like you hear Qui Gon's voice when you're looking at his face, and it's like. Bro. That would be nuts. Like you, you, already, you already know. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. If that happens, if all the stuff we're saying right now happens, which probably won't, let's be real here. <laughs> but if the uh, if the Qui-Gon stuff is in the show and it hits, hands down, this would be the most boss Star Wars show. It, 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 it might even hold up to movies. I mean, just because like the way if, if they use him right and, and they have this material in Legends. If they use that material right and make it so that, hey, Qui-Gon is still around some way, shape, or form. He's learned, Obi-Wan's learning from him. Anakin is still being haunted, not just by his past and his mistakes with Obi-Wan, but he's being haunted by his first mentor. Bro, that'd be fire. Well, Milton, here's the thing with, with uh, that. Like, man, you guys are coming up with, like, an excellent idea. Like, gosh, I really I, – I hope it happens now because the thing is – just imagine, like, playing off your idea, Chris. Like, what if he is in his meditation chamber, um, helmet off, all that stuff. He's sitting there with his eyes closed, like, meditating. And you get, and, you know, he's thinking about, like, whatever the, say, the Tuscan Raider slaughter. And what if yeah. you get the the Liam Neeson, the Qui-Gon going, Anakin, Anakin, like he did in Attack of the Clones. Like, Bro. man. And, and, the, and then his thing. eyes open up or something. Facts. Like, and what's crazy about that, Ben? We saw this in Clone Wars because I'm pretty sure Liam Neeson voiced Qui Gon in Clone yes, Wars, like he did. two yeah, scenes. He did. I, I think it was on Mortis. Was, yeah. was it the Mortis? Uh, it was, it was uh, the, I think it was, it was the, the Yoda Mor- one, or the Yoda arc. I think no, it yeah. was Yoda arc, but I'm pretty sure he came back during Mortis because they got uh, separated yeah. and they were and Obi Wan was trapped in a cave or something at one point on Mortis. Yeah, I'm and I'm pretty sure, sure Liam Neeson came back and voiced. Dude, like, trust me, they've done this before. They can do it again. Like, I'm getting goosebumps right now, but thinking about it. Like, that's how hype I am if we get him back in the show. And, like, like realistically, like, for me, I, I think it's just even not even way overthinking it and, like, thinking about all these different ideas and stuff we have. Like, I just feel like in an Obi-Wan show, you have to have Qui-Gon in it. Like, it's just natural, I feel like, for the character. It has to. And has especially to. for your villain of the show, Vader. Like, it's Facts. natural for, for him. Like, I feel like Qui-Gon has to be. I, I would say along with you, Milton, I would say it's probably probably sixty percent. I would say, yeah. 
and like I said, I would I won't be disappointed if he's not. Like if, if they if Deborah Chow said, Hey, we, we were looking to entertain Liam Neeson coming back, we just couldn't make it work, whether it's scheduling or even story wise. Well, I'd be okay with it. My, just because I know I, I would trust that she's trying to do the right thing well by the narrative. My my like big thing to that, or like counter to even our our percentages being only at sixty percent is all right, like Liam Neeson a few weeks ago got asked like straight up about this, like, hey, you going to be in this show? And he said, oh, sorry, uh, I'm a film snob. I only like movies. He gave a really weird answer. It's like, dude, like you're really showing your, your cards here. Like it feels like he's going to be in it just because he gave like a mega, mega weird answer saying he's only a film snob and he'd never like never appear on a television screen or something. Right. And it's like, it's... OK. It won't put us away. Anything could be better than the Frank Oz interview for The Last Jedi when he literally said, somebody asked him, and he's like, they, and, and he said, oh, they told me not to talk about that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. dude, you just told him you're in the movie, man. Just say you're not in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> just pulling Andrew great. Garfield. Just pulling Andrew Garfield. Anymore, ever since Andrew Garfield, I do not take any, like, notion from these actors that they're in it or they're not in it i just watch it if they're in it cool uh but this next shot here reva on fortress inquisitoris my speculation here is i think there's going to be some kind of full-scale assault by the rebels on fortress inquisitoris i think there's a reason why we never see this location in rebels i think they're gonna kind of like build this into rebels where like this place gets destroyed somehow yeah i mean i i i can see it i mean again this this scene uh, it's she's doing something obviously so i really couldn't tell you what i'm expecting from the scene just it's for, just, just a lot from, of a lot of laser yeah. fire i couldn't get enough of the scene capture because it's right. like a blink and you miss it like little clip but it's like a bunch of laser oh. fire coming in mm. Well, and, and I think this is what I'm going to take away from this, I guess, from what you guys said in the chat. I want to say yesterday or day before, just the way they're going to use our lightsabers. So you guys talked about this is going to be very much a prequel feel when it comes to saber usage. Oh, yeah. Or even fighting. So I do. I am curious to see how good and proficient these Inquisitors are with a saber. Because, I mean, again, I'm, I'm just I'm throwing shade here not to be negative, but like. We weren't impressed with the sequels with how they used this, the lightsabers. We understood how the original trilogy set the way they used the lightsabers up. Obviously, with the sequel or the excuse me, the prequels, that's the golden era of the Jedi, and obviously the Sith coming back. So they they would be more efficient with a saber. I want to see how Vader trained these Inquisitors to use a saber. Well, you see, Milton, that's a that's an interesting point you bring up. Because I'm fairly certain, um, I'm interested to see, because, you know, you have the the actors talking about it's going to be prequel feel for the the sword fighting and stuff. But to my knowledge, they didn't bring back Nick Gillard to do the sword sword choreography. So it makes me wonder who they have as the choreographer um, for the fights. And it's just like, hopefully they at least mimic the prequel style or something along those lines. Like, because... I don't know. You hear like Hayden and Ewan excited talking about it. Like, I don't, you know, of course it's their job to like push this show and stuff, but I feel like they're the way they talk, like it seems like they're genuinely excited about the way they're fighting. So it does make me think that it's actually going to be maybe prequel style of, 
of a uh, sword fighting. Right. And, and and I'd be fine with that. And if they want to slow it down for Vader, obviously they're going to have to because he's not going to be Anakin. Like he's not Anakin in that in the way he fights. He's completely a different fighter because of the suit, the restrictions, you know that type of stuff. But obviously, I want to see the the non android type people, you know, use a saber correctly because these people. Have, let's not forget they were Jedi's before, so they have training throughout the most of their life. Yeah, if you break it down, this is going to be the first like live action Jedi versus Jedi thing we get because I mean the closest we get right now is really the Mandalorian, right? I mean you have Ahsoka Tano versus uh, that magistrate magistrate lady. Yeah, um, we do see Luke, but it's not like dueling against anyone; he's just taking down droids. So yeah. I-, I can't wait to see like a, Je- a full fledged Jedi fighting like other Jedi like people with actual lightsaber mm. on lightsaber like action that that. We haven't gotten that in literally years. I, honestly, yeah. here's here, here's my hope for this. Honestly, God, when they because I'm assuming they're gonna be hunting multiple Jedi as they are looking for Obi Wan. Are you guys fans of the movies or the show the Highlander? Oh yeah. I want to see some of those type of like duels within this show. Like, let's say, you know, Reva or the seventh brother or or. or Thirteenth sister, whoever, whatever they're called, <laughs> they uh, they 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 find like Jedi throughout the first couple episodes, and like instead of like three on one, it's like let's say Reva's like, no, I'll take old girl or old boys Jedi, and they fight them like that, like that'd be kind of tough, and then they cut their heads off, and the, the, the <laughs> lightning happens with the quickening. Just joking, but you know what I'm saying? But like, be like more one on one type thing. That'd be fire. Like I, I want to see more one on one battle. Oh. I don't want to see three on one. Oh yeah, well like because because let's be real here. Aren't these Inquisitors like competing against each other too? Yeah, that's so. Any, so yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't it be kind of fire if we saw these Inquisitors saying, "Hey, oh no, I'll take Shock T," you know, like that person's mine, and and they, and they just watch and fight. Like mm-hmm. that'd, that'd be kind of dope. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And it, well, it makes me wonder too. In like the uh, the first trailer, could potentially they have been fighting? Could have there been a, a fight scene? Where the uh, the main Grand Inquisitor is like, where is he or whatever with his lightsaber and all that? Like, it makes you wonder. Like, was that after maybe they defeated some Jedi and they're like trying to figure out where Obi Wan is or something? You know, so maybe uh, maybe we get some type of a cool fight with the Grand Inquisitor and some random Jedi or something like that. Uh, <laughs> just because there's so much potential with the Inquisitors and and hey, you know. With the Inquisitors, don't forget, guys, we got to see the helicopter lightsabers, right? Like, no, I skip mean, that. <laughs> skip that. Uh. <laughs> Over here, we have, uh, I'm going to butcher this actor's name, uh, Camille Nanjianji or something like that. He's he's from the Eternals. He played uh, yep. the one character in the Eternals Marvel movie. I was expecting this guy to play a droid for some reason. I don't know why. I feel like there's got to be a droid character in Star Wars and everything they released, and somebody's got to play the droid. I, I just, but so this literally shows us nothing other than, hey, this guy plays a human character, not an alien. He's playing a human character. <laughs> so I literally I mean, have nothing I else he's, about he's, that. <laughs> look, he he he's a good-looking guy. I can I can see him saying, nah, I want I want people to see my face. Hell, he he got cut for the the. Uh, Eternals film for a reason. He, he got shredded, so he's like, "Nah, I'm not trying to hide behind CGI. Show my face." 
Mm-hmm. And think about it too, though. I mean, honestly, guy Chris, like, he's what? He's a Middle Eastern American actor. So yeah. they're, they're going to try to pull that market in. So you have to show his face. True. Like, that's, yep. that's, that is a business decision. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think. Um, I don't yeah. know. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it's just it's it's so tricky with you know when they bring in big name actors like this is it is it for something important or is it for a cameo like like uh like what's his name the rancor keeper in book of boba for example like sure it was a cool character but it was like okay so it just it just makes you wonder is this just a cool cameo that's thrown in the trailer yeah, I mean, the reason why I said, oh, I feel like this guy's going to be a droid is because I believe he has a strong comedy background. And I believe he like yeah, he, he's he's mega comedic. Yeah. And, and so it's like we had other people like Phoebe Waller-Bridge playing L3. We had Alan Tudyk yep. playing K2SO. So there's a common trend, right? It's like comedians a lot of the times play the droid. So I was like, oh, there's a good chance he could play a droid. Yeah, no, good point. But the difference with those, well, the three of them, this particular actor, like he, he's been and he's very much like seen out there, like when it comes to like his work, um, and like I said, over the last three to five years, like he's really changed the way he looks, the what roles he's taken. He's become more mainstream, mm-hmm. so I can see Star Wars saying let let's use that face or or that star power to build another audience. Because I, I mean, I, I don't know how successful Star Wars is and over in the Middle East or you know a, Asian type countries. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So, so this image here, I pulled this because you see Reza. That's the 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 line that you were talking about in the beginning, Ben, about her yelling something. Oh, saber. where she says, um, yeah, she says, uh, she says like you can't run from him, or he'll or or uh, he'll always find you. You can't run from him. It's like some something along those lines. But she's basically, you know, obviously talking to Kenobi. Yeah, so you see a, 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 at least I call it a familiar rebel transport in the background, like a G, I think it's like a G transport or something like that. I forget the official name of it, but hey, hey, we got some rebel iconic, uh, iconography or whatever you want to call it. Um, but we also had the, the concept art that showed like a rebel base and stuff. So I think uh, maybe the rebels are, are stationed there on this planet as well. They're going to help Kenobi out. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a, a, a swerve to make us think that she's talking about Vader. I, I, I mean, I think this might be the she's referring to the Inquisitor. Oh. I mean, I, I again, Ooh, it's, 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 it's too easy. Yeah, it's too easy for us to say, oh, no, she's referring to Vader. You know, but but really, who does she first answer to? Grand Inquisitor. And then he answers to True. Vader. Now, they ultimately all answer to Vader. Let's be real here. Because if Vader was on, if Vader and the Grand Inquisitor are standing next to each other, you're not even acknowledging the Grand Inquisitor. Let's be real here. But I think I think she's probably referring to her master when it comes to that. But or or maybe it could be just us swerving us again, thinking it's Kenobi and she's talking to another Jedi, saying that hey, you know you you, you can't escape you know him, the Grand Inquisitor. We're gonna find you. You know we're, we're gonna kill you and all your kind because he talks about it in the trailer. He says a Jedi can't help themselves. They're like they're like an itch. They need scratched or something like that. So. I mean, maybe that's referring to a regular Jedi they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I, 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 I agree. Like, I think it's, it's probably. Yeah. Now that you say that, Milton, that is actually a really good point because I don't. 
would they really just show us their cards and be like, oh yeah, it's Vader, you know, like that is, that's actually a very yeah. good point. Because because here's my thing though, like, do they and does does the Inquisitors know the impact or the relationship? That Vader and Obi Wan really have. Do they actually know Anakin is? Oh Vader? no, I, I don't. So, think so my is. thing is though, why would they be so gung ho? Besides just impressing Vader, why would it be so gung ho to, to personalize it with Obi Wan? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I can see Tarkin personalize it because he knows Anakin is Vader. He knows that relationship. He makes it very clear in A New Hope. He's like, yeah, because Obi Wan just a wanted Jedi to them. Yeah, right. But, yeah, but, but I'm pretty sure New Hope that Tarkin says, like, you know, uh, uh, your old master. Maybe he references that way. I can't remember. But he says something about, you know, Kenobi has to be dead, surely. He's like, you know, your, your old friend or something. I thought he references that way. So he made it personal. I'm thinking, oh, so he knows. Yep, yep. We have Tim Sheets in the chat. I got to shout this one out because he has sent Inquisitors for us operatives in Star Wars Legion, please. Yes, man, I've been screaming that from the rooftops for the last two, three years. Um, just a tabletop game we play. But, hey, maybe they'll announce them at the panel at Celebration in two weeks. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> hey, but next, we're, we're getting to the end here of the trailer breakdown. We're almost two hours into the show here. So <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. A, a minute, 30 minute, a minute, a 30 second trailer. We're breaking it down and for an hour and a half at this point almost. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes to Star Wars fans. So I find this curious. I was let down as all heck because I was like, they're totally showing Vader. Like the end shot of this is going to be of this trailer is going to be Obi Wan Vader Lincoln lightsabers on some really cool location, and it's going to be all over the posters. It's going to be all over the the TV, internet, everywhere. Everybody's going to be talking about it. So I was very surprised when they just showed a hand like this shot. Chris, you cut out. You cut out, Chris. Can you hear me? Can I mean, you hear I me? Chris cut out, but no. I mean, yeah. if, go, if go you on, guys, man. yeah, if you guys can see this image, like I, I like this image. Now I think this is his right hand, Testing. which I'm kind of surprised. Like they attached his right hand like that, because I would assume that his Ooh. right hand is the natural one that he already had over the past, like you know, fifteen well, years, right? Well, well, no. Remember, remember, Milton. He has all his, has all his limbs chopped because. No, no, Duke no. I know that, held, but yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. Remember, Dooku held him up and chopped his right hand, and then um, Obi Wan took out the left hand. Yes, but I'm saying, like in Revenge of the Sith, he was used to having this right hand. Okay. getting into the weeds of things but to me for can you hear me but to me for yeah we can hear you okay but, we to, hear you. but but to me for a kenobi show like i think you i think if you're gonna have him messing with his hand i feel like you should have had him messing with his left hand because that's the one kenobi chopped off personally right, right. but that's true. that's really mega nitpicking but true, i think true, it's true. cool we're seeing I, I think it's cool we're seeing this whole uh, basically, like work, getting worked on in the garage type thing. Like, I think this will potentially be our first scene where we see Hayden's face. Maybe here's the here's my whole take on this. So, why are they putting a new arm on him? 
right? That, like, why are, why are they confused. putting the chest plate on him? Like, we've seen him in Empire Strikes Back. When he goes in the meditation chamber, all they do is they take off the helmet, and he, and he does that. So this leads me to believe he got wrecked recently. He was in a duel with Kenobi. Uh, we heard rumblings that there's, like, multiple duels in this or something between Vader and Kenobi. Maybe Obi-Wan just completely shatters his armor and just takes him out. And this is Vader, yeah. like, in the last episode, like, putting everything back together and and just going to go and get revenge on Kenobi or something. Right. I mean, that possibly. Like I said, I, I just love this shot. I, I think this is the, the money shot of the trailer. Oh, for sure. It's definitely the money shot. And it makes you wonder, too... Um, like how they'll how they'll do it because I know in some of the canon books, some of even the like the leg the old legend stuff that's out there, um, you know when Vader was like in the suit and stuff, like he was always getting like worked on, uh, you know they were always like basically the Empire was always or you know the droid medical droids were always like touching it up, um, you know when he was always back in his chambers like there are different things like even you know it's old legend stuff now but in different books they address like. You know, Vader was constantly having like, you know, when he would go back to like his his uh his base or, or his castle, like he'd basically be, you know, they would they would like remove his whole armor plating and everything, and then like he'd be getting his flesh and everything scrubbed and like replaced with different um, uh. you know, different medical things. So maybe maybe this is another instance. Like we've we talked about it earlier to start the show. Maybe this could be an instance they pull that out of old legends material because like. You know, in some of the old Legends material, like, you know, the Emperor basically designed his suit purposely to, like, you know, so he's always in pain all the time. And that wow. was part of it was, you know, when, um, you know, in some of the old Legends stuff, like, he basically, you know, they would go in, he would go in, his whole suit and everything would be stripped down. And then he would literally be getting, like, because obviously since he was so burnt up, his flesh was just, like, basically slowly, like, almost decaying and mm -hmm. just, just really bad. So, like, to prevent, like, infection, all that stuff, like, they'd go in and rip his suit off and just scrub the heck out of him, basically, and just scrape away all that, like, dying material. So maybe we're going to get some type of a Vader, like, medical-type scene, like, kind of mirroring some of that stuff from the old Legends material where oh. he's actually getting worked on, potentially. Like, that's kind of like a guess for me if, if they pull more of the Legend stuff out, that is. I see. I see. And here we have the other shot. I think... I know you said this the, the money shot was the arm, but I think most people would probably say their the money shot for them would be the chest piece, the chest plate, especially with the lights turning on. That that's a that's a cool touch. I mean, it's just like this is Darth Vader. I mean, nobody else in Star Wars, nobody else in any any kind of medium, any other thing has a chest plate that looks like this, right? Like this is synonymous with Vader. You see all the buttons on a black chest. This is this is Darth Vader. Yeah, no, it's 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 a great shot, you know. I, I'm just, yeah, it, it's a great shot. Like I said, anything with Vader in it's going to be fire. Yep. And and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to what they're going to do with him. Oh, for sure. I thought this shot was really good. I personally preferred the, the arm one as well, um, just because it's like, hey, you know, it's his arm. But like you said, Chris, for like a lot of people, seeing his chest plate, like, hey, it's hype. And I think in the trailer, audio, I don't remember if it's the sound of the helmet ceiling or him breathing, but it's one of those two, like the audio um, so like, you know, there's that as well overlaid. So it just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good touch. Ooh, Sim Sims has another great comment in here. I want to see Sidious really put Vader in his place to enrage Vader against old, uh, Obi-Wan. It's like, damn, that would, 
That would be sick to see. I, you know, Palpatine uh, played by uh, Ian McDermott. Ian, Ian McDermott has been saying some things about, oh, I've been in some things that uh, might be coming out or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to yeah. be in this. You can't have Vader without having some kind of Palpatine. Right. And, and we'll, we'll probably, he'll probably be, I mean, do you think we'll see him actually like live action action or just as like a hologram or holocron? You know what I'm saying? A holocron. Hologram. I, I, I was gonna say way earlier in the show tonight, guys. I think, I think there's the chance we get, um, say, Vader meeting with the Inquisitors and Emperor Palpatine calls in to mm. talk to all of them type deal, maybe something like that. Oh, uh, okay. But I do think it's gonna be a hologram. Like for me, I feel like it would have like leaked and been out there, and you know they probably it would have just it would have just been out there. I mean, God, they revealed Hayden's in this show, like. You know, I feel like they uh, they would have they would we would have known by now if Ian McDermott's actually physically in it. I feel like I feel like there's it, it's probably gonna be a hologram. But yeah, like like you said, like he literally said, you know, he's he's around in one of these upcoming shows. <laughs> and here, the last shot of the trailer is Obi Wan. Just like I like the shadows casting on his face and the the look he has of just it looks like a little bit of anger to me. Just like. He's not happy, that's for sure. I mean, look, it, it's anything with Obi Wan. I'm satisfied. I, I, you, you listen. You won't get no argument out of me. It's it's Obi Wan Kenobi, bro. Like it's like I just want to see him just do some some hella things in this show, and I I just want to see. I I don't want to get a confident Obi Wan all the time. I want to see how he's his psyche is, and this is very telling. Like the way he looks. This explains a lot of his psyche and what, what's going to be dealing with throughout the show. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh yeah. What about sure. you, I thought, it was, yep. I thought I thought it was a pretty cool shot. My um, my I think I always wonder. I keep wondering too. Like this is like me, could be mega reaching at this point, but you know we saw the flashes of Vader getting worked on and stuff. Like what if I don't know for some reason Obi Wan's having to be in some type of an imperial place like. What if this is like a shot of him on looking like Vader from afar or something? You know, it's something maybe, you know, like you, like you said earlier, Chris, like they have multiple fights. So like potentially. Um, so like what if what if this is like one of those like kind of classic like monster movie type scenes like Obi-Wan's like like, oh, my gosh, like this is what Anakin's become. And then Vader like wakes up his helmet seals and he senses Obi-Wan's nearby. And then it's like all hell breaks loose. <laughs> type deal I, I don't know like it's just it just i feel like i feel like we gotta obi-wan's to me obi-wan's first interaction with vader is has to be a big oomph like i don't think by any stretch you're gonna just get vader just i don't know walking out of an imperial shuttle and obi-wan standing there or something you know like i feel like it's got to be something like dramatic like that because you know just just for the connection these characters have especially for the time period we're in you know at this point obi-wan hasn't kind of like obviously gotten to the wisdom like Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan has. So it just makes you wonder like how emotional he'll be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't have to wait long, just two more weeks. So, and I, I you know, this is the final trailer. They're not, they're not putting out any more trailers at this point. So there you go. We got the teaser. We got the official trailer for those of you that are watching or listening after fact, let us know what is your favorite moment from the official trailer and, any last speculation for Obi-Wan, we want to hear. You can always tweet us at 
outerrimtransmission, hashtag, or you can go ahead and leave us an email, outerrimtransmission at gmail.com. You can always send your questions into there as well. So getting back into the show proper, a couple more things to go through. We have a new documentary on behind the scenes for the Book of Boba Fett. So what'd you guys think? I'll start it off with Ben. I I definitely had some mixed feelings on it. I can say that. Not oh. from quality, because not some not from quality because quality on the documentaries are always spot on. I can you know, I can't complain about that. The contents of the documentary are where I had some head scratching moments. Um sorry, I was just muting my phone. Um some of the contents and comments of the documentary is where I was like, okay, then like, so I mean, five minutes into the documentary, you have John Favreau and Filoni, like, don't get me wrong. We all love them here, but Hey, you know, they're not perfect. <laughs> and, like they were, and they were criticized or they, like, you could tell, like to me, the way they were talking at the beginning of the documentary was basically talking to the fans that complained about Boba Fett's usage for how lack thereof he was of, you know, not being, you know, action packed or anything. Cause like Favreau literally says flat out, like, you know, why would, you know, you know, having, having a show where Boba Fett's being action packed every single episode, it'd get boring after a while. So that's why, you know, we had to make this show this way. It's like, but dude, so you went completely 360 or 180 or whatever the expression is and yeah. flipped the coin on it. And, you took him from having maximum action in season two of Mando to doing nothing basically in his own show. So I was like, that is such a crapshoot of a comment by Favreau. And then, you know, Filoni basically like backed it up. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I would just love to be sitting down with you in a room and like, tell me with a straight face, how could you do that? And like, like, I, I just, I just was rolling my eyes at their yeah. comments when they said that. But, um, but overall, like, get, you know, going through the documentary, like getting past that cringy first 10 minutes of it, um, I thought it turned out to be a pretty good documentary. It was, it was good, informative. Um, it's still funny, just like the show. The, the main parts of the documentary that stuck out to me was Mark Hamill and Luke and Rosario Dawson and Grogu. And I'm like, oh, just like the show. And then you even get a comment in there from John Favreau saying, you know, how could we go a year without having Grogu in the show? Like, so, or Grogu and Mando in the show. So it's like, you know, they openly know they, they have to put it in there from put them in there because it's marketing and stuff like that. And to me, when you do that, when you sh basically shoehorn in Grogu, shoehorn in the Mandalorian, to me, that is basically you know, showing like, okay, don't get me wrong. They're amazing storytellers and whatnot. But, but my thing is, it's like you, uh, you're obviously listening to like, just as well, like, you know, you're including the ratings and, you know, people's reactions and stuff because they, they know if they would cut out those two episodes, Boba Fett wouldn't have had as big of a reaction as it did with those episodes. So like, I, uh, I thought it was interesting. It was, it was just a lot of telling information. I feel like, like I said, you know, people can, they're creators, they, they have their visions, etc. Um, like I said, it, it's good to me, even though I disagree with a lot of their commentary, it's good just getting the reasons why, why they did certain, certain things. But I thought like the major positives that came out of the documentary, of course, was Mark Hamill and um, the kid that plays Luke Graham, uh, Graham Hamilton. He's, he's an excellent Luke. 
Um, and then seeing Rosaria Dawson, like I love seeing her. She's, she's incredible as always. And, uh, and then of course, um, I mentioned to you guys in the chat, I've been saying it since we had the news last July. Um, the fact they even mentioned Shamuk, the YouTuber in this documentary who does the deep fakes. It's like, dang, a big company like Lucasfilm is actually being humble and acknowledging a YouTuber. Like they literally said his name, his name's Sam Heed. And the fact they mentioned collaborating with him to perfect Luke's head for the action sequences and stuff for the show. It's like, congrats guys. That's, that's awesome. So I thought it was a really good, um, really good, just insightful documentary, even though there were a lot of comments I disagreed with or like highly disagreed with. I thought it was a good, insightful documentary. Yeah, I thought from start to finish, it was in terms of content, it was actually the best one they've done uh, oh, because yeah, it was it sure. was it was basically all concise into a solid hour. We got everything we wanted from the actor's point of view to the director's point of view to the character of Boba Fett, and they even went into the Luke Skywalker stuff because it was kind of annoying how we had to wait like several months after everything with Mando season one or Mando season two, I mean, to get that Luke content. So they're not trying to hide it. So everything was contained to that one hour. And then they really went into depth. I thought one of the interesting things was with the mask, with um, Cad Bane's mask. Yeah. That was super impressive with the Athorian, how there was a person in that and, and how that was a practical set, how they showed the Rancor, how that was a gigantic practical set. So like the actually movie making esque stuff in this for me was was a was a thrill what about you milton did you get a chance to check this out sorry guys i didn't watch it yet um, oh, but i'm glad i didn't because i probably would have been annoyed with that first five minutes of the documentary oh, however tr trust, <laughs> trust me milton i was thinking of you the first 10 minutes of the documentary i was like oh man i wish i had a face cam on milton right now yeah. because you i'd have been like what the hell because even hey. just even listening to that i'm thinking like that that's illogical like why would you again you're, you're depowering him for no reason that's why we love that character he, well, he's supposed well, to be ruthless and aggressive well here's the thing i'll let you get back to um, your point real quick like my the thing is with with their comments like you could tell they were talking straight at the people that were criticizing the show because like the way favreau and feloni talked at the beginning of the documentary it felt like they were a little almost kind of grumpier then they were like toward the end of it, like, you know, and later, later parts of it that were shot, you could tell they heard the crit criticisms of the show because, uh, you know, they literally said like, Oh, well, you, you, you know, it, it was, I, I just loved the framing of the documentary. Like, and I'm saying that in a sarcastic way because I, they, uh, they, they really frame it in a way where basically Boba going into the Sarlacc pit and coming out, that was basically his big wake up moment. Like, Oh my gosh, I need to stop being a bad guy. Like I, I came out. Of, I, I, they, they literally framed it as that. They, they literally used the word hell. They said, it's like Boba went into hell. He was near death. And then he came back out and he thought basically, I need to basically make a new turn on life. Like I need to leave this bounty hunting and leave this hardcore life in the past. And then, you know, I just laugh about it because it's ironic because then you know, he, he says that, but then he wants to rule a criminal empire. So it's like, wait, okay, okay. So I, I don't know. It, it was just it was just really strange, some of their comments and the way they framed it and justified certain things. Um, that's for sure. Ming-Na Wen, she was great in it. Um, 
Uh, she looked phenomenal for being in her mid fifties um, on there. And also a big, a big, big, big props to uh, Kathleen Kennedy, actually, in this documentary. Like, you know, I can, I always have to give her credit when I can. Um, yeah. Or when it's, when it's, when it's applicable. And this is the case of it. Um, you know, she was on there and, and here's the, here's the ironic thing. I, I always share the ironic Palpatine gift, but it is ironic. Like the best, one of the best parts of this documentary actually was Kathleen Kennedy. Like the stuff <laughs> that she was talking about was actually way better. Like a lot of the stuff John and Dave were talking about, I was just rolling my eyes like, oh, come on guys. But, uh, but Kathy said that she actually, the reason they casted Tamara Morrison from the start is when Disney bought Star Wars and, you know, she was like in the transition of obviously like being the president of Lucasfilm and stuff. She said uh, she had talked to George and that was one of like George's like things he told her. And she said she like respected that request. Like, hey, if you ever do anything with Boba Fett, please make sure you cast Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett. And she's like, you know, of course, we'll do that, blah, blah, blah. So that's why they actually ended up casting Tamara Morrison like that. George Lucas like had an influence on that. So I was like, oh, good job, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, what I will say, too, with the book of Boba Fett, this is the first season of, like, Star Wars live-action TV that wasn't really created in a bubble, right? So yep. season one, nobody knew what it was. Even with season two, they had finished, like, writing, and I believe when season one was, like, not even finished, like, they were already shooting season two. So they didn't have any preconceived notions of, like, any critical things out there on the Internet, whereas book of Boba Fett, like, they are making this when they already seen what was going on with people loving Mando season two. So it's interesting, like you're bringing a whole thing up with them commenting uh, as a reaction to the fans. Now with yep. everything they learned from the fans, will that change how season three goes? Will they try to stay away from certain things? People they hear loud and clear, are they still going to do their own thing? I think it'll be very telling and very interesting to see how season season three of Mandalorian goes because most of these TV shows, CW and everything else that go on for very long seasons, you know, the criticism's out there. It's whether or not they kind of abide by it, go halfway to it or not so much or whatever. I, I find that very interesting going forward now. Oh, oh yeah, they definitely, they definitely heard the criticisms. Because, like, when you, when you if you watch end up watching this, Milton, you can definitely tell John and Dave are not happy, like, with the criticisms they got for for that and like Damn. you know you, you know like like Favreau, Favreau was more grouchy about it but you know <laughs> like even even Dave like Dave's Dave's always pretty cheery but you could tell he was pretty serious like okay like and write a you know, better this, show like then 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 yeah. write, write a better character because yeah. like you can't you can't get mad at the fan base for reacting the way they do and it's not like a, a small pocket of people are doing that this is the majority I guarantee we're saying what the hell are you doing with this guy because again, every, every every other episode was solid. You know, what I'm saying? every other there was no <laughs> consecutive episodes that were good except for the Luke stuff and the Mando yeah. stuff. That's a problem well, because you cannot. If you're telling me like you just said it earlier, you take Luke out, you take Mando and Grogu. What is the show? It ain't good. Yeah, no, it, like, it's and, not. And, and it, the only good parts about that show, non-Luke non-Grogu, non-Mando was whenever he's with the Tusken Raiders uh -huh. going through that arc. The present stuff was trash uh, up until yeah. he got towards the end. Yeah, well, here's the thing with that, Milton, is the fact that I'd be willing to bet you any amount of money if you sit down and ask Tamara Morrison, hey, off the record, 
did you expect Boba Fett not to be like your season two version? He would say no way. No. Like he 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 signed on to this show. I guarantee you, fully thinking yeah. it was going to be like Mando season two, and right. it wasn't. And and, and, and uh, if for, if for Dave yeah. and John to say that, oh, you know, yeah. if, if he was a badass the whole time or wrecking people, that wouldn't be it good. Gets stale. What do you what, what do you think he did? If okay, if that's the case, Mando yeah. season two. He's wrecking shop the moment we see him. He threatened well, to kill Grogu. Here, here's the ironic, ironic part about about that. So they acknowledge, they straight up say, John Favreau and Filoni both say in this thing that they, um, you know, the Mandalorian is basically was basically the Boba Fett show, but you know we had to make it into a new character, you know, because we wanted the new character just to be a lone gunsman, blah, 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 blah. But that's what Boba Fett was. And, and then like, you know, they say all this stuff about Mando and basically in it's great. And Mando's part of the documentary. They basically kind of pump him up. And I'm like, dudes, but you just sat here and said, that's boring earlier in the documentary. Like, so what, what is it? And, and, you know, it, it all comes back to me. Like, like it all comes back to Grogu for me. Yeah. I like I said, I'm, you, you know, I'm probably, I'm probably not going to watch this documentary now because if, if it, it's, it just it frustrated me throughout, like, honestly. Yeah. And, and, like, and, y'all, and y'all already know I love documentaries when it comes to Star Wars. Like, hell, I just listened to – I literally just pulled off that 30-minute special edition of the yeah. original trilogy off of YouTube and downloaded it as an MP3 file on my phone. I ah. listen to that at least, at least once a week because it's that good. Yeah. You know, and, and oh, yeah. George does a good job explaining it. And like, but he doesn't, George isn't that type of person. When he explains it, he's saying, this is why we're doing it. This is why, this is how it makes sense story wise or technology wise or whatever to push the, you know, this sounds like they're making just excuses of why people excuses. would butt hurt. Yeah, they, they, they're mad because people didn't like how this show turned out. Okay, now you can re- redeem yourself in season three of Mando and hopefully in, in Ahsoka. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. That That's the thing. Like, there's such a different feel like like when uh, like John and Dave, gosh, this podcast sounds like I'm just piling on Favreau and Filoni. But hey, cr- criticism can come. But there's such a different feel because, see, like when the when the other creators are talking, like the behind the scenes people, like the uh, the, the CGI guys who are talking about Luke, how excited they were working with Mark Hamill, all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. See, they all were talking super positively because, you know, people love their stuff. And it's just the main story of the show was the issue. Mm-hmm. And to me, like normally documentaries, I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure with you, Milton, like, and you as well, Chris, like, and probably our listeners as well. When you watch a star Wars documentary, it usually adds like more excitement for exactly whatever, you know, for, for say the Phantom Menace or Revenge of the Sith or whatever. But like, to me watching this documentary, sure. It was cool. Adding more insight. It, but it just made me roll my eyes even more at the, at the book of Boba Fett because it's like, dudes, you just – I, I don't say they don't have a clue, but it's like you don't have a pulse on the fans um, in terms of Boba Fett's character. And that's the, the issue I had coming out of it. I mean, like I said, the best stuff in the documentary really was Luke, was them mentioning Shamook and uh, like seeing Ro- how excited Rosario Dawson was. A cool little Easter egg that Milton was like – they actually didn't tell her about Luke until she was on set. Like she, they had wrote down in the script, uh, she was meeting with a uh, like Plo Koon. He survived like Order sixty six or whatever. So she, she was like, okay, like how's this gonna connect? Like Plo Koon's like in this time period. Like how's this, how's this adding up? And then she said she showed up on set, and you know, 
Mark Hamill and Graham Hamilton, Mark Hamill's the younger Luke, they were there and she was like, whoa, this is what we're doing? So like, you know, seeing her reaction and stuff, that was cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, overall, I mean, overall the documentary, it, it's. I'm not. I'm not going to watch it. it. I'm, I'm probably <laughs> not going to watch. I'll be honest with you. I'll just yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, trash, I pass but... on it for you, Milton. Like it's. Yeah, it, it definitely is in your in your trash category. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we also got another documentary this week. This comes to us from Apple, I believe, and this was something to do with the Mac, I guess. But it was Skywalker Sound. This came out on May the fourth, and I thought this was really cool. It was about 15 minutes on YouTube. And it was just about the various people that work at Skywalker Sound from the people that, like, um, maintain their giant server base, which is insane. It was so cool. Like, everybody that works there, all their computers are, like, hooked up to this huge, like, mainframe. So they get to pull all the sounds. So it was, like, talking to, like, one guy, like, his early job when they first started was, like, categorizing, like, every single sound in Star Wars so, like, he would like go through and like R2D2 beeps. He'd be like sad beeps, happy beeps, you know, angry beeps and stuff like that. Like somebody's job was literally to just sit there and listen to things and like just make descriptions of them for like the producers to like make it easier to pull the sounds when they were making it, the, the tracks and all that. Then they had this one part at the end where they showed the guy who was ma- doing the mastering for the sh- sound. So it shows like a full scene of like. Or not a full scene, but a, a segment of Revenge of the Sith on Utapau when the clones are coming in. Boga's there and all that kind of thing. And then he starts, like, subtracting, like, each, like, big, like, thing of sound. Where he, took, he takes out, like, the dialogue. He takes out the music. And then you just hear all the sounds. You get, like, hear the footsteps and stuff that, like, you would never really notice. But it just shows you, like, how many layers upon layers upon layers of, of sound there are. There, there's one guy... That is showing like just like this random toy he has. And it makes like some kind of cool sound, but he puts it in front of the mic and like he just starts like amplifying the sound like up and down on the computer to like modulate it. And then that ended up becoming like a spaceship sound. So for me, it was just very, really cool like seeing the creatives at work, seeing all the types of people and all the types of work that goes into sound. Because every time you go ahead and you watch like one of these award ceremony shows like the Oscars or the Emmys, like, Star Wars is always up there for sound design. They're always up there because they're the pioneers for not just, like, digital creations with ILM, but the sound stuff, I think a lot of people don't realize, like, how much they, like, help other studios and stuff like Marvel and, and Jurassic Park and all that stuff was created at Skywalker Sound. So I found that really fun and really fascinating. So that's on YouTube. Anybody could watch that one if you're looking that up. I'll, yeah, I'll check I, it out. I, I, I still, need, I still need to watch it. Yeah, yeah, I still need to watch it as well. I just, I just didn't honestly get a chance to. Um, but I, but I will. I'm gonna. I'll watch it when I'm doing cardio tomorrow. Yeah, I just put it in chat for anybody that wants to see it. But yeah, so we have a couple, a couple other quick stories just to kind of highlight before we get out of here for the week. We do have a nice image coming to us from Star Wars socials, and that is Ahsoka has started to film. There's a nice little image of a Ahsoka chair with Filoni's hat hanging off the side. So that's nice that they actually just acknowledge, hey, they're starting to film. So if that's filming now, yeah, I wouldn't expect Ahsoka to probably come out until probably like close to like, I don't know, fall or December of 2023. Does that sound about right, Ben? I know you're pretty up with the um, yeah. different schedules and all. 
Yeah, I think uh, I I think I think it'll probably end up being. See, an interesting thing. This is a this is all just uh, lays on the groundwork of if if Rogue Squadron happens or not. If Rogue Squadron, let's oh, all yeah. intents and purposes, if Rogue Squadron doesn't happen, I think this gets pushed to the holiday show. This will be December. But if Rogue Squadron happens, I think this might end up being the Kenobi slot and be like May, whatever something in May, potentially. Um, I think it all comes down to that. But I think the biggest, most interesting part you didn't bring up there with this whole release is the fact, and I, I'm, I'm not sure if you noticed it either, Milton, but, or you may have, but it says an original series. It doesn't say limited oh. series. So that, that means multiple seasons because Mando, original series. Um, like Rangers was original series. Um, these other shows were original series. It doesn't say limited series. It says original. So that makes me think we're going to get multiple Ahsoka seasons. Yeah, Milton, if you want to say something about this, I'm actually going to do some research um, and look up like the original announcement. Look at the original of... tweet. It says original series. Yeah, let me look this up. I mean, look, Ahsoka, I'm excited for the show. Right, look, this is probably my second favorite anticipated show. You know, and Obi-Wan's first. Because I like this character so much. Um, I mean, look, I, I, if, if it's multiple seasons, great. If it's if it's a limited series of ten episodes, great. As long as it's good, um, that's fine with me. Um, I think the release date will be very telling, depending on the other projects, Rogue Rogue uh, Squadron or whatever. Um, as long as they tell a good story and it makes sense within the Star Wars universe and what they're trying to push, I'm all about it. Just you know, they better not depower Ahsoka because she ain't trash. And, and, and I can see Dave Filoni because, you know, they're being weird right now. Let's just depower our characters to make them, you know, feel like that they're vulnerable. It's like, no, these, yeah. these people, they can be strong and powerful and vulnerable. You know, don't don't take away what we've don't take away what they've earned over the last 10 years, because let's be real here. Ahsoka was a character that people didn't like when she first started and everyone loves her now. So don't take five steps backwards with that character. You can't. You know, oh. so I, I think I think this show will be good. I, I think I, I'm guaranteeing you that Obi-Wan's going to be fire. And I'm pretty sure Ahsoka will be good because we love the characters and we do trust Dave. However, Dave, get out your way if you're going to be acting like this, like you did with um, with uh, Boba. Like, yep. be true to the character like that. That's you and George's baby. Be true to that character and just tell a good story. If, if it's one season, two seasons, three seasons, I'm all about it. I don't care. Yeah, I think oh, the yeah. thing I with think, with oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I think the good thing with Ahsoka is we're you know like you said Dave well Dave's writing all the episodes um, from what I from what I know up to this point anyways um, Dave's doing all the writing so you know at least there'll be a cohesive story and it makes me really think as well that uh, I mean they have Hayden and House already like why wouldn't you have him signed on for this show like I think I think Hayden's force goes. I if I had to guess at this point, I would say it's like a seventy percent chance of happening. Like he's got to be in it. Wait, they already did. They already announced Hayden's in it. They uh, oh, actually, actually, yeah, they did. Never mind. He variety, is variety, um, and they've reconfirmed yeah, that in another article too recently. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but, uh, did you find the original tweet, Chris? I did, and I'm gonna read this out. This is um, an article on StarWars.com saying um, upcoming announced projects. It says Ahsoka, after making her long-awaited live-action debut in The Mandalorian, Ahsoka Tano's story, written by Dave Filoni, 
will continue in a limited series starring Rosario Dawson, executive produced by Dave Filoni and John Favreau. That's Here's my weird. two cents on it. Here's my two cents on it. I think that uh, since Rangers of the New Republic got canned, probably, they're just like, okay, let's just do another season of Ahsoka. We'll roll some of the Rangers stuff into the various other projects and, and expand Ahsoka to kind of pad out the story a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah, well, did you just say limited or original series? It says limited. That's that's so weird because on Star Wars' Twitter, let me see if I can scroll back when you're um going over it, but on Star Wars' actual Twitter account, they put original series because I saw several other people post about it too, like retweet the tweet. Um, let me find it real quick. Well, yeah, I mean, either way, regardless, also, um, so... What I'm wondering as well when it comes to these shows, because conceivably a lot of them are shortened because of the um, the pandemic. So it makes me wonder, are they actually going to be having longer seasons on some of these? Because like, look at Andor, it's 12 episodes. So it's like, are we going to have like longer shows eventually? Yeah, that could be. It could be how many things are in the hopper and whatnot but uh going back to milton's concern i feel like yeah now now boba fett he dealt with a lot in in the clone wars so but he didn't create boba fett he created ahsoka um, right and as the article said with the writing i he hasn't really done wrong for the character yet so i can't imagine like especially with live action he would really mess something up no nah, I, I don't it? think he will just you just you just never know i hope not i'm assuming he won't yeah, yeah. But besides, oh, no, not. yeah, yeah. Besides, so did cool. you did you pull that up, Ben? Um, what date was the Ahsoka announcement? Because I was just looking. Because I've tweeted so many times. Because I have the tweet requoted. Yeah, I think I remember. Oh yeah, December tenth, twenty twenty. It's supposed to be. Wait, what? December tenth, twenty twenty is when he announced announced the show. Oh no 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 no. Oh, no, I, I was saying, when did, what day was it this week or last week that Ahsoka, they announced her filming? Like, because they posted about it on their Twitter and stuff. I was just looking on my Twitter because I had it was like a, the I tweet. think it was on, I think it was a week ago. I think it was on a Friday because oh, okay. it wasn't on May let the 4th. Me, all right, let me pull it up real quick because so I had just posted. Go on, Milton. Are you guys trying to confirm if it's a limited still? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I'm look. That's always going to. You never. Do they could say it's going to be limited it, or not? It says it on the actual website, though. It says Ahsoka Cup up in the article title. Mm. Begin. It I, says I mean, original honestly, series begins production. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it could always change, though. Too. I think it just depends on that first season. Let's just. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, but. But uh, besides, besides the live action, we did get a really cool cover for The Princess and the Scoundrel, which is that tale that's going to be told about Leia and Han Solo getting married. Um, so it's definitely side-by-side -side comparison. looks very similar to The Courtship of Princess Leia, which is that classic Legends book. And the cover of this one looks fantastic because it's got that same kind of Legends-y vibe with the... The, the the painting and all that stuff with the it has the galactic star cruiser in the background that's the only thing that's got the, my negative thoughts is like i really hope this book isn't just a commercial for galactic star cruiser because i think there's a lot of potential here with like just a relationship of han and leia and and how han had been out of carbonite and, not, and all that crazy stuff that happened to him um and it has the imperial remnant in it which gets me very very excited chris check the chat i found it 
Okay. Yeah. But, so, so what what do you think about that story, Bella? Do you think you would ever read something like that? Did you ever read the original <laughs> uh, Courtship of Princess Leia? Or? I'm pretty sure I did. It was a while ago. A while ago. I think that was that was the second book in that. Uh, what's the second book in the? It was after the Glove of the Vader, I think. Oh. No. I can't remember. It's been a while, but I remember reading it once when I was a kid. Nice. It is, so, uh, I mean, it, I it was it was good for what I remember. Um, but like, so I have to go back and honestly listen to it, or, or at least try to get an audio version of it. Because mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I hate I hate reading books now because I do a lot of reading for work. <laughs> Same uh. here, Milton. Like, I'm totally in that audiobook thing. Like, I have a mega hard time reading actual books, Dude, which is yeah. really which is really bad to say. But audiobooks are just so good. Like, they're yeah. so good. Yeah, Chris, I know, I know you're a bookhead, but I can't anymore, dude. My job requires me to read all the time, uh, and I need to just listen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, <laughs> I think that about wraps it up for, for the recap of last week. Now, there was a couple, like, toy reveals and stuff like that, some cool lightsabers, helmets, and stuff, but maybe we could just have a, a passing glance at that because uh, it's about all we have time for this week, unless you have something else you want to say about Yeah, Yeah, the funny thing with the toy reveal... So I'm sure you guys saw the new uh, Obi-Wan figure that um, Ewan McGregor revealed on on Kimmel. It was funny because he was actually critical of the figure. They were like, whose face did they scan for my my figure? He's like, it doesn't look anything like me other than other than he's the character of Obi-Wan. He's like, he doesn't even really look like me. And he was like, he was like, you know, saying it in a joking way. But he had to have at least, you know, sure, he could have just been doing it as a joke because he was on TV. But still, that had to have been kind of on his mind. Like, whoa, this doesn't look like right. And and he was kind of critical. I think it was the new Black Series figure, actually. The new yeah. whatever new, uh, yeah, that one. He was like, who? He was like, who is this? Like, you know, he he uh, he just he was cracking jokes about like other actors that looks like other than him. So I was like, what in the world? Yeah, and apparently um, Hasbro posted like a live stream like that day. And they yep. never announced the stupid action figure. And then I think mm-hmm. they had to scramble out like official images because for some reason they were waiting on showing that one. But I guess he just was like, eh, I don't care. I'm at home because he was at home. It was a webcam like interview. So yep. he was just like, hey, I got this cool figure. Like, I don't care about NDA. Like, here's the figure. So that that, that yep. was funny. Yeah. So you guys can check out images, I'm sure, um, all over online. So as far as for us, you could always find us every week here. At nine o'clock Eastern, except for the week of celebration, I'm going to be there. And well, I'm the controller of this thing. So unfortunately, if I'm not here, this thing's not happening. So <laughs> I'm sure we're going to have a, a very good and detailed, long discussion when I return. And you can follow this space here for um, some kind of updates in some form I will have throughout the weekend in two weeks. But next week, we'll give you guys a preview of everything that will be happening at Anaheim. I know me and Ben already had like a very lengthy discussion of all that, but um, there's been a couple things that have been updated since, and I'm sure up until the last week there will still be more things coming out about what we can expect and what we can uh, look forward to from Star Wars Celebration 2022. Um, you can go ahead and listen to us on Spotify, on Google Play, on any of those streaming services, and do rate us and let us know what you think. You can always send us an email. We'd love to have some comments from you guys, as in the live chat as well. You can send us an email, outerimtransmission at gmail.com. Um, do you guys have anything to say before we leave for tonight? Um, no, I just want to say it was, it was nice to be on a podcast like always. Um, and we do appreciate the fan interaction and 
you guys chiming into the chat. I'm, I'm looking forward to Star Wars Celebration. I usually watch the live stream if I'm at work or I'm even at home throughout the weekend. I'm pretty sure I'm off on the 27th, so I'll probably watch day one throughout the day while I'm getting stuff done. Um, but like I said, I'm excited for Star Wars Celebration. I know it's been, what, two years since we had our last one? Three years. So, oh, it was three years. Okay. Um, so I'm excited to see the, the, how the fans interact. I, I love when they do the panels with the celebrities that that I like to listen to. I'm, I, they're guaranteed they're going to do a Mark Hamill one again. He's so good when he does that. Unfortunately, those. He's, he said he's not going to be there. Oh, he's not doing one this year. Okay. No. Well, it, it's all right. But like I said, I'll watch. Um, but like I said, I really do appreciate being on the podcast. And I love that Hayden and, and Obi-Wan, or Obi-Wan, Hayden and you are getting so much love, mm-hmm. you know, right now doing their press tour. So I, I'm happy for that. So if you want to follow me on social media, follow me on Twitter at Milton Weber seven, or follow me on Instagram at Milton seven, or I'll take that back on Twitter is Milton Weber seven on Instagram is Milton seven Weber. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Like you said, Milton, uh, just seeing Ewan and Hayden, how much love they're getting on their press tour, it's it's awesome. And as I pointed out uh, to you guys in our group chat, like for any of our listeners out there, look up some of the clips of Hayden recently in some of these interviews. I mean, he said he watched Clone Wars to prepare for Anakin in this time period, and he legit like sounds like Matt Lanter's Anakin, like his voice inflection, the way he's talking, he 100% sounds like Matt Lanter, which is so weird. Um, so, you know, just, just throw that out there for anybody wanting to look up some more stuff about Kenobi. And then for me, you know, you can just find me at real Ben Maynard on Twitter and Instagram, you know, um, you can definitely stop by Instagram. I'm working on, I'm basically just, uh, posting about every day. We're, uh, basically going through a big fat loss phase over the next like six months, basically getting super lean. And I'm basically posting all my workouts, my diet, you know, this week I'm down three pounds actually already. So great start to it. And, uh, you know, uh, it'll be fun just to continue to post and keep you guys updated on the weeks and months to come on this, uh, basically fitness transformation. There you go. You can follow Ben at Real Ben Maynard and also on Twitter or on his Instagram at whatever he had said. Because Real Ben I, Maynard as well. Okay, Real so ben, Real Ben Maynard everywhere. <laughs> simple enough. And as far as me, you can look forward to my review of Brotherhood, which I can't wait to share for everybody out there, as well as some more comic book reviews coming up later in this week. So make sure you go ahead. As always, if you are new to the channel, I've seen there was a couple new faces out there. We had Sim Sims. We also had another couple people. We had Naomi in here. We also had Ryan Mincy. And we had the usuals. We had Dark Nerdy Gonzo. Thanks, everybody, for joining us as usual. We had Captain Alex as well. So you can always feel free to join the chat. We had Chris Forsyth. And I'm going to keep going on and on. We have a very lively chat. So you can always be a part of us um, every week at Friday around 9 o'clock Eastern. So, for a bed, for Milton, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, I got it right that time. I did it in reverse when I did the intro. I was saying, I'm Star Raptor, but people call me Chris. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how it goes. That's going to do it for us. That was episode 58 and transmission. <laughs>